does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Hubler has it all. And a happy Friday to you here on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan, Jimmy Cook and James Boyd. Eddie Garrison back in the drivehubor.com studios. We are live from the fan on the back nine golf and entertainment center at the fan on the back nine golf outing presented by Franciscan Health. The event running from now, actually started at 10 a.m. until 4.30 and, of course, continues well into the late afternoon when the ride with JMV gets underway from 3 till 6. But from now, it's us, noon until 3 here on the Fan Midday Show. Final Colts camp practice out at Grand Park wrapped up yesterday. James, you were out on scene. We dissected a ton what we saw from night one of Colts camp. We'll start there with night two and a lot to get to today, including a pay raise amongst Big Ten coaches that happens to have a little local tie here as well. And, of course, a couple of other topics on what we're looking for towards Saturday's preseason game, the lone home preseason game for the Colts. But we begin with night two of joint practices. James, you were out there. What were your first observations, starting with the main storyline, your main storyline from now until, he, until his Colts career closes, which we hope is a very long time from now? That is Anthony Richardson. What did you see from the young rookie in his second night of joint practices? Struggled on the second night. I believe a lot of that had to do with the offensive line kind of depleted a little bit. Uh, I believe Will Fries wasn't in there. Ryan Kelly wasn't in there. So they playing some backups. Mm-hmm. So he was kind of under siege all night, two for six passing-wise in 11-on-11. But he also had three completions and two touchdowns called back in 11-on-11 because of an ineligible man downfield. And I always say illegal man downfield, but nevertheless, same thing. (laughs) So there were definitely some bumps in the road yesterday. Wasn't as clean. And I think that he was also given, you know, just different looks by the Bears' defense. Again, they play a lot of that high cover, two. They're going to force you to throw it underneath. And when you're under siege and you're trying to make reads, it was a little bit more difficult for him yesterday. So um, not a bad day, not a great day, but just, in my opinion, another day he needed to grow. Now, obviously, you want him to be behind a better offensive line in a real game because all those sacks and things like that will be real hits. So um, that was a bit concerning, but not too much for me to be like, all right, you know, throw the white flag or something like that and throw a truce. But um, we'll see how it goes. I don't know how much he'll play in the preseason game because Shane Steichen wasn't available last night. I talked to him. He wasn't available last night either. So um, we'll see. But the Bears starters are barely going to play at all. You know, I know Justin Fields isn't playing. So um, I'll be all Colts angle, I guess, for for our our, our purposes. We talk about in the debate of whether you start in week one or not when that was ongoing, that it's all a philosophical choice based on your head coach, based on your offense coordinator, based on a lot of different factors. And it's very similar in terms of how coaches view things philosophically with the preseason games. Because some coaches take, you know, Andy Reid, for example, his starters are going to play game two of the preseason. He views that as a little bit of a dress rehearsal. Some coaches, and rightfully so, when you look at the Bears and Justin Fields, is there really a need to put him out there? Some coaches would say, yes, we want to get game reps and just get him reacclimated to the scene. Some would say, no, he's a multi-year quarterback at this point. Why risk him getting injured? 
I would argue at this point, from my vantage, not with Justin Fields, but with Anthony Richardson, I need to see him out there for some amount of time because this is all a repetition battle right now. That's what it's been from the moment that he got named the starter earlier this week. doesn't have to be the whole game, but if it was another quarter, I would like to see him out there and continue to have things to observe. And more importantly, more tape for him to grow from. Absolutely. I think that he has to play. That's just what it is. I mean, you want to get as many reps that don't count, quote-unquote, before you go into a real game where it does count. Now, you have to play them a lot through the season anyway, so I figure you find that balance between risk versus reward, which is, like you said, I believe about a quarter. Get him out there. Um, like Make him see, I guess, more live defense, live hits, see how he adjusts to those things, and also see how he takes care of the ball. Now, he had an errant throw in the preseason opener, had another errant throw um, in the first of the joint practices where it was like, you know, what happened, miscommunication. So you want to see if those types of things are going to get cleaned up. And again, you've got to be more um, cognizant of the fact that they're going to be vanilla. They're not going to have, you know, their great defensive looks out there. But for him, I think any look is great because it's still an NFL look that he probably hasn't seen. And I would imagine that it's still more advanced than what you see in the SEC. No Shaq Leonard last night at practice. And as you mentioned, the caveat is no Shane Steichen availability yesterday. So not a ton of clarity there after it looked like Leonard had been roughed up a little bit in night one of practices. But again, it didn't seem like it was anything super out of the ordinary. As a Colts fan, if you're sitting there hearing that, even if he's had, which is 12 of 13 appearances in training camp, massive step forwards from where we were a year ago. There's a lot to be happy with and a lot to be optimistic in terms of his availability going into the season opener. I know we're still a couple weeks away from that. Should there be any caution or worry if you're a Colts fan? Or is it just, a, hey, this happens sometimes. We'd like to have the Shane Steichen availability, but eventually we're going to get clarity for what, if anything, the one missed practice by Shaq Leonard was. Yeah, you definitely want clarity just because we know his injury history. We know what he's been through. So anytime he misses any time, your eyebrows raise up. Now, I will say that he, although he wasn't available for the team yesterday in practice, he did come out after a while. He looked to be in good spirits. It didn't look like he was, like, you know, sullen or had that look on his face like, oh, my gosh, my season's over or something like that. It didn't look catastrophic. But, again, it is concerning. And in my opinion, if he has, you know, uh, tweaked anything, don't play him in that preseason game because it's just not worth it. You want to make sure that he's 100% ready to go, I believe, now 23 days before the season opener. So, um, you know, Shaq, obviously, a lot of people are rooting for him to get back healthy, and you don't want to – rush that process but you also have to at some point provide some transparency on it too so um, we'll get some answers tomorrow night at Lucas Oil Stadium about him and others because we know how much you know he means to this defense and yep. how much they've missed him the last few I would say uh years you know two and like a year and a half basically I want to stick with the offense for just a second and we're going to get into this with Kevin Bowen a little bit later today Jimmy Cook James Boyd for the Fan Midday Show at the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center as the fan takes over here. A spectacular event. Looking forward to all of the day's festivities that will, yes, again, be capped off with a live broadcast for the ride with JMV from 3 till 6. But I want to stick with the offense from Colts Camp for just a second. We mentioned this offensive line, and we keep harping on the challenge that Tony Sperano Jr. has had in front of him all offseason of trying to bring this offensive line back to the standards they were a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. From your vantage point, and I know Kevin's going to dive deeper into this when we talk to him, but how much of that is the adjustment of 
a different style of quarterback in Anthony Richardson and knowing that for a lot of those ineligible man downfield situations, yes. it's yes. zone read misses or it's yes. RPO misses. How much of an adjustment period do you anticipate? It's good to get these out of the way, of course, in training camp, in preseason, right. but how big of an adjustment is that going to be for this O-line? I, I do think it is a factor. Ryan Kelly kind of talked about it last night, but it's something that you're not used to. I mean, Peyton Manning, love the guy. He was not a dual threat, you know, quarterback. <laughs> you know, Andrew Luck kind of was, but even then he's not what Anthony Richardson brings just as far as the volume. Matt Ryan certainly wasn't. Uh, no, no, not at all. Well, I will say he was definitely rolling in Vegas last year. <laughs> he was. He had like that 30-yard run, which is incredible. But, again, with Anthony Richardson, a lot of it is just the volume of plays. You know, when you go into a game and you know you're probably going to have maybe one or two QB runs or something, it's a little bit different than one or two every single series where he's always in a read option position or an RPO position or a play action position, he's always on the move. So I think a lot of that will get cleaned up. I mean, it has to get cleaned up, obviously, for you to continue to have success because, like I said, you had success with the plays itself, and then they get called back. So you yeah. don't want, you know, it doesn't matter again in a joint practice in August, but, you know, come September and on, you want to make sure that when you're putting points on the board, they're not getting called back because you, you know, went too far downfield on something that doesn't even affect the play. Right. That's the thing about the penalty that, that also is, is kind of um, not annoying, but I, I get why it's called. But for some of those ineligible man downfield, it doesn't affect the play at all. It's just you being smart enough and aware enough to stay behind whatever line you're on. It's like being offside in, in soccer. So it, you know, It's exactly like that and it's so maddening, particularly if you're a fan and you see a big play occur like that and oh, an offensive lineman who, like you mentioned, is nowhere near the action that's going on. <laughs> gets an an eligible man downfield and it gets called back and that really is though over the last couple of years as you've seen really five or six years as you've seen more RPO concepts be utilized by teams and it kind of be adopted as a, as a base package at times depending on the situation for teams around the league that is the point of emphasis that is the point of emphasis from officiating crews is making sure there's no ineligible man downfield because I don't you know I don't have the data in front of me to say it's one of the most flagged plays in the league. I don't know if I'd go that far, but it is a point of emphasis where that's all it takes to mess up what is a well-designed right formation against formation play call is having an offensive lineman not being in a situational spot that he's supposed to be. Yeah, it's deflating. I believe yesterday Anthony Richardson hit Pittman in the end zone for a touchdown, and I can see how you're thinking. The, the pain on your face right now. But, you know, that's a play where, you know, I think Pittman's fired up. AR was obviously fired up as well. He did like the little finger gun, like, you know, I got you. And then it's like the defense gets to just troll you like, no, we got you because, you know, your guy messed you up. So that's the deflating part of this. And I think that's why it's so important to get these sort of kinks um, ironed out because to me, a lot of this is just so new for everyone. We talk about Anthony Richardson so much, and rightfully so, but as much as he's learned, they're learning how to play with a player like him. And that's what makes him so unique and so special for this Colts franchise is because, I mean, you'll see it in a story later today on The Athletic or tomorrow, early tomorrow morning. But talking to Rick Venturi yesterday, followed him around. Love talking to him because he always has the colorful, you know, analyst perspective, coach perspective. <laughs> but he's, you know, this is a guy who's been around the game for, you know, 50 years. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I've rarely seen a guy like Anthony Richardson 
and what he brings to the football field. So even you know for a guy who's 77, there's that excitement because it's, <laughs> it's, it's something new that he hasn't experienced yet. And that's, at the very least, substance only get you so far, but that's something that at least gets you a little bit excited and gets you ready to rock and roll for what the Colts season could be. Exactly. If someone that, it's the same thing with, with Mike Chappell. Whenever Chappie is excited about it, it's like these are two gentlemen that have seen about all you could want to see yeah. on a foot. doesn't mean that it's going to lead to success, but the fact that they're intrigued, they're excited, should at least have your baseline of excitement on par as well. Absolutely. I mean, Anthony Richardson is an alien. So <laughs> that's the difference. I mean, you've probably seen, I'm sure he's seen a lot of great athletes in his lifetime. And I can't say, you know, Anthony Richardson is the best or whatever, but I would say he's in that conversation just because of the raw talent. But I, I talked to him earlier this week about that, and I'm glad I finally got to ask him that question of how do you balance it when people say how talented you are and they might forget that you work extremely hard mm-hmm. to get to, you know, be a top five pick, a number four pick, face of the franchise. And he, he said it, you know, I was born with a lot of gifts. And I, I'm like, I like that he even, it, not admits it, but acknowledges it. Because some players are like, you know, hey, I, I worked harder than everybody else. That's why I'm here. It's like, yeah, a lot of people worked extremely hard, but they also weren't born, you know, as a guy who's 250, you know, runs a, uh, four three forty at right. six five or six four. So um, he acknowledges that, but he also mentioned that I really, really work hard at my craft. So um, I'm excited to see how he continues to grow and elevate because of how you know humble he is. He's easy to root for from a writer perspective, fan perspective, human perspective. But also, I mean, we'll see how it all kind of plays out because of we know as great as he is, all the autographs he signs, <laughs> you're going to get judged by what you do yeah. on Sundays. You were there for both joint practices, so you can give me the observation and the full report on this. It wasn't big enough to reach Sports Center, so clearly it must not have been that much drama filled. But anytime you have two teams come together, you expect chippiness. You expect a, a little yeah. bit of a uh, <laughs> little bit of disgruntlement between both opposing teams, and we did have a little bit of that last night. Oh yes, first of all, on Wednesday night, the amount of curse words <laughs> I heard from both sides during these special teams drills, I'm like. Lord have mercy, where is the soap? Wash your mouth out. And then also last night, I think, again, that second day of joint practice usually gets chippy, but it was about four scrums. And I say scrums because everyone always says this on social media. It was a fight. You see this huge fight? No. It was a bunch of men <laughs> saying, like, yo mama and yo mama, you know, pretty much. Sure. And, 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 you know, just having testosterone be a little bit too high. A lot of barking, not a lot of biting. Exactly. And, okay. and they know that. It's, I mean, it's, who wants to fight a guy in pads and a helmet? Not exactly the most ideal thing. So there were no punches thrown. There were a few, you know, squabbles here or there. But I think for the most part, they had a success practice ended a little bit early maybe about 30 minutes early because of i can think how contentious it had gotten but that just lets you know that they're tired of looking at you know the same guys every day or going through these controlled environments they want to go out there like i said on sundays and actually play the game so i mean for the Colts perspective you had some injuries obviously but you're probably happy that you know your main guys being number one anthony richardson made it out healthy i need to see continued bounce back continued growth and it's, i know it's asking a lot from inside that running back room and it's asking a lot especially without jonathan taylor to this point again no word or official update for no. when his avail- when his availability is going to be there or when we will see him back suited up and ready to go and practice with the team i still stand by that with where the financial penalties could be and the different options that he has, all of them at least from his perspective, are probably bad options, not getting the resolution he wants, which is either a trade or a contract extension, but I still stand by. I think he's going to be out there week one. 
it was a struggle night one with joint practices with this running back room in the limited action that they were able to see. Any bright spots, even if we're just grasping for straws in terms of a bounce back in night two, or about the same in terms of them just trying to trying to figure things out? Yeah, they're about the same. I mean, there's no one that's going to give you that JT effect, obviously. You want to see hopefully some you know running back committee by committee type of uh, success. But I wasn't seeing much of it last night. Now, granted, I will admit I was with Rick Vittori kind of shadowing him the entire time, so I wasn't really right. 100% locked in on the running backs. But obviously I would have noticed if there was a big chunk play or a few big chunk plays, that just never really happened. And I do think that that's something that we're kind of, you know, alluding to, but it's going to get pushed more to the forefront when we get to the regular season if JT isn't available. I mean, how much harder does that make the life of the rookie quarterback? And again, Ashton Doolin went down with the – torn ACL, so he's out for the season. Now, he's not a wide receiver one, but he is a guy who's going to hopefully or potentially make life easier in Anthony Richardson. He goes down, so you don't want to see anyone who could be out there not be there and make life harder on you know, the guy who's trying to shoulder everything already. Now, the way he acts, I guess he's built for it. I don't think he feels pressure, and if he does, he's very good at hiding it. And I'll say this, he probably feels it, but man, the way he expresses it, he's just as cool as it can be, and I'm curious to see if that coolness, that confidence remains when he inevitably has like that two interception, you know, quarter or whatever, or three interception game because of how hard the NFL is. So we'll see how that goes, but I do think that a running back, a very good one, and Jonathan Taylor would really help him in. That was his fifth practice where he wasn't there. Now, he's missed all of them, obviously, but that was the fifth one where he wasn't there. And it is a personal matter, so I'll feel for him in that regard and definitely, you know, pray for his family if there's something along those lines. And we'll just have to wait again and see how all that plays out and see what kind, if any, other details do unfold. We talked about that yesterday. I mean, whenever you phrase personal matter on there, it you just want to be careful because yeah. you don't know. It very well could be something serious, and we hope that, hope that it's not, or whatever yep. it is that, that JT and his family are doing okay. Another area that we haven't talked about yet, and it's especially important with the news that Justin Fields will not participate in Saturday's preseason game. He will be unavailable for that matchup. Not going to get the start. Already ducking Anthony Richardson. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't want to tail the tape set up to be ready to go this weekend. And that's not a massive surprise. Again, we talked about it. Some coaches put so much emphasis on joint practices, they don't feel the need right. to risk injury for key starting players in preseason games now. So all we can do is go off of what was seen at joint practices. A very rough go of it for the defense night one, particularly in the red zone. I think our own Kevin Bowen clocked it at about 8 for 8 for Justin Fields in the red zone (laughs) on Wednesday night. Last night, though, no such luck for Fields. A great bounce back across the board for this Colts defense. In particular, a nice play from Nick Cross to get a pass tip in the air and an EJ speed interception. That has to feel good for this defensive unit and for Gus Bradley given that you're going to still get reps on Saturday, but it's not going to be against all the ones like you saw in joint practices. Exactly, and I do want to throw out there that after the interception, Anthony Richardson was one of the biggest cheerleaders on the, <laughs> on the side, and I was like, that has to just irk the soul of the opponent seeing because I saw the pick, and then you see Anthony Richardson, all you see is just hair. Just go straight up in the air because he's jumping, you know, uh, 40 feet in the air while he's celebrating. And I thought that Nick Cross had a really good training camp here. Obviously, they'll finish up this upcoming week in Philadelphia. But for the practices that I saw in Indianapolis, or not sorry, not Indianapolis, but Westfield, Grand Park, Nick Cross really looked good and looked more comfortable. He's, you know, learning to be more vocal. And I thought that he made a lot of plays on the ball and made life harder on Justin Fields. And I think even when we talked about the quarterbacks, 
Justin Fields is still on this journey, too. And I look at it like, you know, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, Anthony Richardson, they're all kind of three in that same little role. And for Jalen Hurts is like best case scenario. Justin Fields is like, you know, we don't know yet, kind of on that path. And then Anthony Richardson starting out. So for Justin, he's still learning, too. And I think when Anthony looks at this tape or at least looks at some of those plays, maybe he's in his own mind like, yeah, I can't hold the ball as long as he did and things like that because – Justin Fields was good when he just, you know, made a decision and threw it. But when he had to hold it, that's when, you know, some of the tips and, and chaos sort of happened. But, again, I mean, EJ Speed didn't want to hear any of that. He was enjoying <laughs> himself. And he, he, As is, he should. He is one guy that if I, you make a mistake, he will definitely make you here for it. So that was exciting to see. And, again, a more positive, I guess, outcome from that practice rather than, like, the four, you know, scrums and potential fights because everyone kept trying to break stuff up. And I'm like, is this football or boxing? What are we doing here? And, and it's so critical, particularly in the very back end of the secondary when you look at these safeties. Like, yes. the, how inexperienced the cornerback room is going to be this year. You need to have some type of reliability on your very last line of defense. And I know that's going to vary schematically at times or by formation at times of how much pressure is really going to be on these corners. But to be able to have any type of reassurance within the back end of the secondary that they're going to have you and it's all communication. There's going to be blown plays if you're in man-to-man action and this cornerback room does falter. But any little no matter how minute it might feel, but any little bump forward for the secondary is going to pay huge dividends in terms of not just an overall confidence standpoint, but where you are going into the final two preseason games as well as week one. Absolutely. That secondary is going to get tested. So if you can sure up the back back end at that safety spot with the Nick Cross, with the Julian Blackman, with the Rodney Thomas, I think that that gives you a lot more confidence going into the season because we know that the cornerbacks are going to be tested and it's confidence those guys are. And the joke is that every cornerback ever thinks they're the best cornerback <laughs> ever. Um, they still haven't played, and I think they're going to get humbled really fast because even if they – best-case scenario, you know, DJ Baker, Dallas Flowers, you know, Juju Brins, Darius Rush, two of those four really come on. They're like, man, these are legit starters. That's a best-case scenario, but they're still – I think going to learn a lot more by experience rather than what their raw ability you know, says they can do. So there's going to be, I think, some very um, humbling moments throughout the season because they haven't seen a lot. And even for the guys who are second-year players, they're undrafted, they have barely played, they don't have many reps. Right. So um, we'll see how it goes. But I do think that DJ Baker had a really, really good camp here. And I think he's forcing them to, to maybe think, okay, I know we drafted Juju Brents in the second round. I know we drafted other players this season we want our, our rookies to play. But this guy isn't just conceding anything. So I think that of all the cornerbacks outside of Kenny Moore, he probably had the best camp for the outside cornerbacks. Well, and if nothing else from training camp, you want to have good competition that's going oh, to lead to, to growth and adversity yes. internally, especially for the rookies. Because, yes, it can be easy just to, I don't want to say hand something to them because you're still earning a spot, particularly right. if you're going to be taken as high in the draft as Juju Brents was. But, yes, you want to be able to have as much internal adversity within that position group that ultimately leads to constructive development mm-hmm. by the time you get to week one. And in fairness to Juju Brents, he had missed a ton of time. Yes. He's only been back like a week, week and a half or something like that. That can't be over. Enough. Exactly. Yeah. So when I was watching the reps, you know, yesterday, especially with Rick Venturi kind of in my ear, he was like a step slow on a couple plays. And, and speed, like, isn't his calling card. It's like the length and the speed and stuff like that. You know, it's not like he's going to 
be a 4-3, you know, 4-4 type of guy at that size. However, I think that, again, if he gets more and more reps, he will get more comfortable because, I mean, love the guy. I think that he's a really good person. But when these players, especially rookies, tell you, oh, I was out, you know, I got these mental reps and, you know, I, it, it, that those were just as good. I don't want to hear that. I mentally think that I'm, you know, LeBron James on the basketball court. It has not happened. Yeah. You know, I found that out quickly when Anthony Richardson went sky high, you know, during my YMCA basketball session, and I could not jump with him. So, again, you can think a lot of these things. You can really pay attention, but I, I still think that you need those reps. And as he gets more, he'll get better. So I know there are some fans who are like, man, we're not hearing his name enough. It's because he hasn't played enough to really feel comfortable, I don't think. The YMCA pickup game feels like it was a lifetime ago. We it get a, does, doesn't it? It really, it really, really <laughs> does. We got a great show for you this afternoon. The fan hits the road here in the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center. Coming up next, Greg Rakestraw is going to join us a little bit later in the show. Top of the hour. In fact, Kevin Bowen will be with us. Courtney Cronin, top of the 2 o'clock hour. Colts, Colts, Bears all throughout the day today for Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center as we get you set on the countdown to preseason game number two in the lone home preseason game for Indianapolis Colts. They welcome in the Chicago Bears. Greg Rakestraw, Colts Radio Network. Work joins us next on the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new and everything in between. To say it's a party to be an understatement here at the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center <laughs> as the fan on the Back Nine Golf outing continues. Jimmy Cook, James Boyd here on the third floor of the Back Nine. In case you are listening live to us here within the Back Nine, just a reminder, plenty of prize packages galore that you can bid on a part of the silent auction taking place today. James, I was skimming through some of it yesterday during the show. You think of any great sporting event here in the state of Indiana, there's a VIP package you could be a part of. Just a couple of steps to our left here at the Back Nine Golf Entertainment Center. I'm talking Colts VIP packages, Pacers VIP packages, and an IMS VIP package that pretty much covers the entire month of May. Wait, so there's no Jimmy Cook VIP package? <laughs> there's no Jimmy Cook do, do VIP. Do I have that right now? I, you do. You, you're getting it. You're getting the full-fledged experience. Speaking of a VIP experience, it's always a VIP experience when we have our next guest on the show, and that is, of course, the man himself, Greg Rakestraw. You know him on the Colts Radio Network, as well as the vice president of ISC Sports Network, voice of the Indy 11 and so much more. High School Friday Night begins for Rake here in a couple hours from now. We'll get to that a little bit later. We'll start Colts first. Rake, first off, how you doing on a Friday? And second off, takeaways from joint practices, my friend. Takeaways from joint practices is, again, you know, the, the obvious thing sticks out as an injury. Uh, and, and that's not just because of joint practices. That's just because of it's a timeline. You know, if somebody's going to get hurt during the course of training camp, you are not going to go through training camp without losing somebody to injury that is of value to you. Uh, and so, sad to see Ashton Doolin go. Uh, sorry that, uh, you know, it looks like maybe some offensive line issues could play havoc in terms of Anthony Richardson getting reps or not getting reps. 
in tomorrow night's game with a couple of guys additionally to Braden Smith being banged up along the offensive line. But the fact that the Colts were simply a little more competitive, and I realize the Bears aren't exactly a high bar at this point, but there were some telltale signs last year that, hey, the Colts are starting to kind of hang with the Lions. This may not be the team that we had anticipated. You didn't see that the last couple of days. So, so big picture, I think that's the best news for the Colts. I think one of the things that I always like to talk to you about, Greg, is what you see from the youth of that team. You know, you've been around football for a long time. So what do you think of the youth of the defensive backs in particular and maybe your impressions of what they're going to be in store for when the season starts? You know, from the defensive backfield for the Colts, that that is obviously when, when you have a quarterback derby, which has now been settled, and now have a new quarterback period, all of your attention goes to them. Then when you have a player like Shaquille Leonard, who has been so impaired by injuries the last couple of years, all your attention goes to him. Then you have Jonathan Taylor's situation. So in other words, the things that we would normally look for in a training camp, we really haven't that much in terms of, hey, what's what's a position that's a big question mark? Well, clearly it's a defensive backfield. Or, hey, who is that player that has kind of popped in camp? Who is the guy that nobody's talking about that's going to make the roster? If, if you ask me to say who that guy was, Saguna Luby is the guy that I would point to that just seems to be where the football is at as he had six tackles in the game against Buffalo on Saturday. I have been pleasantly surprised by what I have seen from the defensive back suit field so far because they are so stinking young. Um, you know, what caught my attention, JB, when I was out there with you Tuesday morning, you know, it was the fact that, the fact that Daryl Baker's getting the starting reps right now at a corner over Juju Brents, your second-round pick. Now, obviously, Juju missed a couple of weeks in terms of training camp, and maybe he wrestles that job away at some point in time over the next couple of weeks or at some point in time during the season. But in the limited amount of reps that we have seen from the defensive backfield, they have not looked overwhelmed, which is a good problem to have. And now that you get guys like Thomas and Blackman back in practice this week, maybe, just maybe, what is the area of concern along that defense, maybe they're a little further along than we gave them credit for going into training camp. He's Greg Rakestraw with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Greg, it's so tough to figure out what's fair based on sample size evaluation in today's training camp slash preseason outlook because of the lack of the extra preseason game and also coaches having different emphasis on what matters more to them, joint practices or these preseason games. Specifically with the offensive line, how would you say the the best takeaway should be from their performance through all of the time that we saw of them, not just in joint practices, but how they grow and how you saw Tony Sperano's hands-on approach with this throughout training camp? Well, you know, the proof's going to be in the pudding. You know, it, it's going to be September 10th and 17th and 24th, et cetera. The biggest thing this, thing this group had going for them over the first, say, two and a half, three weeks of camp was the fact that it was the same five guys. You know, that it was Ryman and Nelson and Kelly and Fries and Smith. Now, obviously, that's been affected, you know, over the course of the last week and a half, you know, two weeks or so. I, I, I don't think there's things that are long-term of that group uh, that you're kind of concerned with this, at this point. Um, and, and there generally has been a consensus that, hey, the offensive line played better towards the back half of the season than they did in the front half of the season. I don't think it was good enough at any point in time last year. But there is something to be said of consistency, 
and continuity. So there are things you can point to, like did the Colts run the ball well against the Bills last Saturday? Not much. Are you really going to learn about how well they ran the ball and watched them play the Bears in joint practices? Maybe more than a regular practice, but still not much. It's simply put going to be one of those things that we will figure out on the fly coming up on Sunday afternoon, September the 10th. That's when we will legitimately have an answer. Is this offensive line closer to what they were in 2019-2020, or are they the group that was um, severely overrated and very much underperforming for much of the 2022 season? Rake, what's been your impression of Josh Downs? I believe he's actually been one of the people, one of the topics with this team that you haven't, you know, had to be concerned about because of how good he's looked. And although he might be not that tall in stature, a guy just seems to make plays. So what do you think of his, you know, first impressions of him also and his fit with Anthony Richardson? You know, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how he and McKenzie split reps. Because obviously the, yeah. the, the base formation largely for the Colts has been, and it's most teams in the National Football League today, these days, three wide, one tight, one back. And obviously you've got a running threat now in the quarterback, duh, and Anthony Richardson. And so I almost kind of think that you're going to see almost a job share between, you know, McKenzie and Downs. So, you know, what sort of impact does Downs have? Because I like what McKenzie has, has, has done so far in terms of training camp. And honestly, as, as JB, as you well know, you know, the ones have been pretty much every time, Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, and Downs will come in and spell him for a few series. So I like what I have seen from Downs so far. He's going to get some reps. He may end up being the, the primary punt returner, maybe even kick returner for this team. So I'm not sure you want to put Dallas Flowers back there as, as a starting cornerback. So Dallas may have to make more of an impact as a return man early. I think he is going to be a, 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 a every few series type of player at the start because of what we've seen from Isaiah McKenzie so far. Absolutely. I thought Isaiah McKenzie had one heck of a play with the juke and, and, and got pretty open down the field during one of those joint practices. And I was like, that was a play of the day. But with Josh Downs, I also want to know, just getting to know him a li- at least a little bit and seeing the way he carries himself, how much do you think that confidence, you know, just helps a group when you have a guy who doesn't doubt himself at all, at least when I've talked to him? That's the wider position, isn't it? That's the, that's the confidence that every guy seemingly has to have, you know, in, in the National Football League. So let's face it, there is some, timing is a big part of life, all right? And, and even on the job, you know, if, if you're coming at the same time as the new boss, that's usually a good thing for you because there's going to be that, that immediate connection that is there. So the fact that, that he and Anthony are going to be rookies together, you hope that is a long-term connection. I think Downs is a guy that will be an impact player immediately. Is he going to be a star in the National Football League? I, I don't know. I'm not saying he's not. I don't know that at this point. But is he, a, is he a guy that needs to be an impact player for this football team in 2023? I absolutely think that's the case. 
He's Greg Rakeshaw with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Rake, James had brought this up earlier, but he had mentioned, and, and I don't blame him, anytime you're out at Colts camp, you should most definitely do this, is try to pen the mind whenever you can of Coach Rick Venturi. You the and Goat. Matt Taylor both have the opportunity to be able to work with him in a multitude of different facets yourself with the preseason coverage. What has been the reaction from both of you in the booth with seeing the step-by-step process? Again, I'm not trying to put the cart before the horse, Rake, but just of the opportunity that's in front of Anthony Richardson? You know, I mean, we, we saw both the good and the bad, you know, last Saturday in the game against Buffalo. Uh, and so, you know, the throw that was the interception, you know, immediately Isaiah McKenzie said, hey, that's my fault. I know Reggie was getting into Isaiah over on the sideline. Um, even if, if Isaiah ran the wrong route, that's probably a ball that Anthony will know, hey, let me get rid of that one going forward. Let me check that into section 116. I try to force it and make a play. But for all of the other things that Anthony did, to me it was the throw to Granson because the linebacker is there. And I have forgotten which Buffalo Bills linebacker was this point. But his hand is seemingly an inch away from the football. And by the time he reacted, Richardson threw such a fastball that that ball was by him. And I think that's what you see – in so many rookie quarterbacks, like you see flashes, and I think that's especially going to be the case with Anthony Richardson this year because he is simply so young, both in terms of actual age, but so green in terms of experience. Because let's face it, the athleticism package is there. That is obvious. Okay, The intangible package seems to be there. And when you have that, you go, this kid's going to be a surefire winner. We don't know that because of his lack of experience. I thought for all the reasons to trot him out in, in week number one, knowing seemingly the one thing he's missing is experience, how do you get an experience? You play him. And so going into this season, I thought the training camp you know, was all about if he doesn't look overwhelmed, he's your starting quarterback. That's why I was surprised but not surprised that Shane made that announcement on Tuesday morning. It was, hey, this is clearly the direction this is going. Let's get them all the reps with the ones right now. A month out, this is going to be the guy. So are there going to be mistakes? Absolutely. Are there going to be jaw-dropping moments? Absolutely. We saw both of those in the combination of three series last Saturday up in Buffalo. Um, I I think the kid can play. He's going to make mistakes. But the best way for him to figure it out is to learn on the job. And that's what the Colts have set him up to do uh, starting on September the 10th. To your point, I do think that Anthony Richardson has shown a lot of really good decision making you know unlike a lot of young quarterbacks he usually gets to that second read he's not you know panicking where he's just like first read throw it but you know to talk about another quarterback in that room who obviously wants to be the starter worked hard to be the starter but isn't the starter Gardner Minshew Rick what do you think of the way he's carried himself and maybe just the professionalism and really the support the outward support of being Anthony's backup that Gardner has shown that other you know backups might not show to their counterparts in the league well, you, you said the key word, and I will shorten it three letters. He's been a pro. Um, and just kind of a, a, a habit of mine, there's always a, a quote or an action or a statement that I try to attribute to, like, so many people I work with. Now, one of my former colleagues at Emmis, well, the thing that always stuck with me, like the ultimate compliment somebody could pay you, is that thanks for being a pro. You're a pro. And that is exactly what Gardner Minshew is. He gets kind of where he is, and, and when, when he is signed, even before the draft, he knows at four 
the Colts are drafting a quarterback. We weren't exactly sure which one they were going to take, but he knew that his responsibility was to be ready if at the beginning of the year if the new guy wasn't ready to go. And so I'm sure he can see himself in the first three weeks of training camp. This is going well for Richardson. That means it's not going well for my chances of starting. So what is the team paying me to do? The team is paying me to be a mentor. The team is paying me to be prepared. The team is paying for me to be a great teammate. And that is all of the things he has done to this point. He is exactly what the Colts needed to bring the young kid along. Break. last thing before we let you go. It is finally back. Friday Night Lights across the state of Indiana. I know you're just as excited as James and I are. Where will the cavalcade of ISC hard workers be tonight? (laughs) And also, what are you most looking forward to in the 2023 campaign of IHSAA high school football? Well, as far as ISC is concerned, our primary game is Fort Wayne Snyder at Warren Central. That's the game that I have uh, tonight. Kickoff is a little bit later at 7.30. We'll do a half-hour pregame special at 7 uh, on ISC and, and my Indy TV tonight. We've also got a crew at, at North Montgomery, North Putnam. Uh, we've got a crew at, at Pendleton Heights in Lebanon. we got a crew at Speedway. got a crew at Clinton Prairie. So we have... Do the quick math. Uh, four different games covered uh, by the ISC cavalcade of stars uh, throughout the course of uh, the area tonight. So um, that being said, you know I, I think the storylines are in 6A. Can Center Grove make it a four-peat? You know, only Warren Central has done that in terms of the largest classification. Back with that was 5A from 2003, 2006. Can Lutheran and Chatard locally kind of keep that going in, in terms of, of, of recent dominance for Lutheran, historical dominance of 3A as far as Chatard is concerned? You know, the classes I think that are largely kind of open are kind of 2A and 5A at, at this point. Um, but but it's, it's so early in the season, um, a lot of the storylines will start to play themselves out over the next three, four, five weeks as it always goes very quickly from week one to week nine, and then tournament time in Indiana coming up in late October. Well, Rick, thanks for uh, taking the time to talk to us. We'll catch up with you next time. And just for me personally, man, have fun. Congrats on another, another, starting up another high school season. As I tell you all the time, high school football, high school sports in Indiana changed my life. So I'm a little bit jealous that I'm not out there anymore with you or running into you, but have fun, my friend. Thanks, buddy. How are you, how are you guys swinging them back nine today? You guys like sitting and turns hitting clubs and stuff like that? <laughs> well, James already had a trial op earlier this week, and was he was not, not proud of himself, and I told him mine's not much better. So we, we've been just, just hanging out out back and uh, being observers, right? people watching. <laughs> Someone that has been to back nine a couple of times, as long as you don't hit the horse barn to the right, you're okay. Just try not to hit the horses. You'll be fine. Okay. That's good advice to live by. I appreciate that, Rake. <laughs> that is Greg Rakestraw. You know him well on the Colts Radio Network here on 93.5-1075. The fan of one of the many Colts Radio Network affiliates, post-game action there, vice president of the ISC Sports Network, voice of the Indy 11, and a proud member of the IHSAA Champions Network. A lot to unpack there. I don't want to do so, but we'll do it when we return. Quick break for us here. It's the Fan Midday Show. Action continues here. What a lovely venue, the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center. The party is in full effect. We'll talk a little bit more Colts we come back. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love 
hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's a full slate of action all weekend long here on The Fan. And the marquee item, of course, is Colts Bears on Saturday. Another key element to that is back. You'll have your Colts pregame huddle from 4 to 6, countdown to kickoff 6 to 7. Of course, Colts Bears getting started at 7, but another return item, a fan favorite. Glad to have it back. It's the Colts fifth quarter huddle. 11 p.m. to midnight, 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. It'll be there in full swing. And then, of course, once we get closer and closer to the real matchups, week one, a couple weeks down the road, it's the full slate, ready to go, ready to get excited. And you will finally be getting the opportunity to travel once again. It won't be yeah. like you uh, – <laughs> uh, what were you set up for the Bills game? Were you just chilling at home? Did you go out uh, go out amongst the masses in the city? Where were you for that? No, I was on my couch. I was watching it on YouTube TV. The convenience of being at home is I got to rewind every single play that I want to see again and fast forward to the commercial <laughs> breaks and all that jazz. But it was uh, weird because I'm like, man, I'm used to being there, going to the locker yeah, sure. room. And quite honestly, I feel like I don't want to miss any opportunity to talk to Anthony Richardson throughout his maturation process because it is pretty cool to see something from a start and then obviously if I'm here for you know a while he's here for a while see it kind of unfold together we're not going to get it overnight but the main bright spot that I had from night one of Colts joint practice Jimmy Cook James Boyd here from the back nine golf and entertainment center as the fan on the back nine party continues was that with Anthony Richardson there were a lot of mixed bag reactions, rightfully so, to how he looked against the Bills in the opener. But some of it can be justified. To, well, he's a rookie. It's his first run NFL start. He can't be expected him to move mountains right out of the gate. And even though it was situational, and some of it was perhaps on him and on the offensive line, night one at camp, and I know we'll dive into this a little bit at 1.30, but it felt like even though it might have irked him because he wants to go to that big play, he was satisfied and did it efficiently with going to check downs, with playing more safer pass options when it was presented to him from the Bears defense. That's my takeaway from that night. I do know that he had a very errant throw in Mm 7-on-7. And actually... His 7-on-7 was rougher than his 11-on-11, which has kind of become, I don't want to say it's a theme, but I almost feel like he's better when he's just playing regular football, if that makes sense. Okay. Because in 7-on-7, you know, the pressure isn't there, so maybe his clock isn't fast enough, per se. So I think that he's actually better when he's in just a regular football setting, and it showed. You know, after the Aaron throw in 7-on-7, I believe it was a misread on his part. Because the way that the play kind of unfolded, it looked like Josh Downs kind of had like an option route, either go deep or cut it off. And with the Bears playing that, that, that too high you know, safety look, he cut it off across the middle of the field. And I think Richardson thought he was going to keep running, and he just threw it. And you're like, what the heck? <laughs> and so it was the easiest pick of the day for Eddie Jackson. But in 11-11, he bounced back similar to how he did in that preseason opener where he didn't have a lot of those, you know, uh, I would say ill-advised throws. It was very just, we'll take what we give you, you know, I'll make you pay. And again, to be good in this league, you have to be able to win in multiple ways. Now, you can't be able to win just on goal balls, just on throwing it deep. You have to be able to win, obviously, if it means dinking and dunking people to death and then opening up a big play later in the game. Now, we saw like a limited series, but I would imagine 
throughout a game like that, you you know take what they give you, take what they give you, and then Shane Steichen can hey get in your ear and say hey here's our shot here, and then you go for it. So I thought that his performance Wednesday night was really good, really mature, and then. Again, Thursday, it was a lot of the similar things. It's just that he was dealing with a lot of pressure because of the offensive line issues. And I believe, again, just not having that, that good run balance that you need to keep the defense honest. There are few that are as in-tuned as the gentleman to my right, James Boyd of The Athletic. And by the way, if you're not subscribed, you should get his coverage. All Colts season long, subscribe The Athletic today. But if I was to put one right there with him, it'd be our next guest. The fan zone, Kevin Bowen, joins us live here from the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center on the Fan Midday Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Welcome back, Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center for the fan on the Back Nine, Jimmy Cook, James Boyd. For the fan midday show, this just for the YouTube audience, I thought for a second we were just going to treat this like it was just a normal phone call interview and we were going to have you off to the side <laughs> because I didn't know if the camera would be able to get the full wide yeah, shot, but this it's is nice. It's got uh-huh. all three of us. Shout out to Nick doing a great job as always uh, getting us all squared away. Jimmy Cook, where do I, when and where do I get that collared shirt? Because I need this. This collared shirt. Yeah. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was one of the, like you know, with the perks of the job, it was a perks of a, a little freelance action I out feel in like Las Vegas. You should be in Abu Dhabi right now for <laughs> Team USA against Greece. I, hey, look. Fran Fraschilla is one thing. James Boyd is right there with me. So, you know, I mean, that's what it's often called, though, is the Fran Fraschilla look with the uh, – That is a nice look. Polo. You look official. I have one thing I need to get out of the way before we go Colts action. And oh, boy. I, Eddie told me this in my ear before we went on the air. So I want to preface on the front end. This is by no means a shot at anybody, and it is most certainly not a shot at JMV. I want to get that out of the way right now. JMV is right around the corner. I know he is. So I'm being very careful and kind of quiet here. Would you participate out there if you didn't have your uh, your own club? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, there's no chance I would ever bring my clubs to a okay. place like that. Okay, okay. No. Because no. Eddie made it seem <laughs> no. like you weren't going to participate. And maybe I don't want to misrepresent him because he can't defend himself. Wow, yeah. But Eddie, he made it seem cool. like you were a, a club guy. No, I mean. Only. I, I have used the same irons I've had since I was a sophomore in high school. So, okay. I mean, I, that's, we're approaching 20 years that's on insane. that. That's um, insane. <laughs> but when you come to a place like this, you got to use their own yeah. clubs. I mean, let's be real here. This isn't, you know, I mean, the golf balls are not real golf. You know, sure, I mean, it's, it's, you know it's just half of what's inside there is just a sure. I thought your competitive nature in you would bring your own driver in order to uh, win the longest drive competition there. And that I'm down for. Like if that's what competitive that's nature is, it out there. It, it is always through the roof. Uh, Kyle Knezovich, who obviously used to be in this noon to three role. Um, him and I did a little long drive, but I happily used the equipment here at the back nine, and the driver worked very well for me. So I have zero complaints. Ooh. And uh, yeah, in the form of a W? I, a W, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everything going to charity, of course. Sure. Yeah, sure. yeah. Kyle was chirping. We just had to make sure to put him in place. <laughs> yeah, talk, that's all KB. And I, talk, James, talk. I feel like I've got a little Colts Bears still left in me from, <laughs> from, from last night. <laughs> Where would you rank uh, those practice skirmishes? James, well, you, you said there was a clear line between what's actually a brawl or, or versus what 
last night was. Yeah, so what you was, call it in your story? I called it like scuffles, chippiness. Yeah, I call it scuffles and, you know, furniture moving, those types of things. <laughs> yeah. Nothing actually, you know, it's yo mama versus yo mama, yeah. basically. It was just a bunch of uh, testosterone. I said a lot of barking, not a lot of biting. I, a, a lot of barking and then the bouncers come in the middle and then everybody's good. <laughs> and basically it's assistant coaches. Yeah, I mean, the Cleveland Brown joint practices from a few years ago, Freddie Kitchens was their head coach at the time. And he, like, openly talked about, like, no, I want my guys to fight. And I was like, dude, I mean, it, it, it's just not productive. I mean, James saw it last night. It delays practice by about two or three minutes yep. every time you have one of those. Yep. So that adds up when you have a handful of them, which the Colts and Bears did have last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say in the whatever, in the half dozen I've seen, not, like, very high up on the list. But for the most part, I mean, you got two decent days of work in. And, you know, obviously we'll see what happens tomorrow night. KB, what do you think of the way Anthony Richardson handled yesterday in particular dealing with, you know, an offensive line that isn't ideal? Obviously, they want their full offensive line, starting offensive line by the start of the season, and also not having much of a run game for the second straight day. Yeah, you know, to me, James, I might flip it and say, like, how does the offense handle Anthony Richardson? And, yeah. and, and by that, I mean this. We saw three completions for Richardson last night, mm-hmm. all three called back due to <laughs> ineligible men downfield, illegal men downfield, whatever the exact phrase is. And in a way, they've got to get used to the types of plays that Anthony Richardson is going to be running. And I think it's interesting because for guys like Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, they probably aren't used to this in the NFL, whereas right. some of these younger offensive linemen, this, that's kind of the new age of college football. I mean, it is a lot of the RPO, a lot of the zone read stuff. So I'll be curious. I know Shane Steichen was upset with the officiating a little bit, but you know that is something to continue to watch throughout the season of just like, and why I thought it was a good move, what they did on Tuesday and saying, Richardson, go in there, and for the next month, he'll get all the starting reps because his playbook is different than Minshew's playbook. Oh, and so this offense, I think, has got to get used to, again, blocking for him. See, Patrick, a blocking for him, you know, those sorts of like system type um, fundamentals, if you will, because it is such a different look than uh, what it is for Gardner Minshew. But I, I guess talking specifically with Richardson, I, I thought for the most part he did a nice job protecting the football the two nights. I know he had a fumble and a scramble last night, but I didn't think he threw a lot of balls, 11 on 11 that could have been picked off, um, 7 on 7. He had a couple of those. But it was a kind of a typical Eberflus defense, you know, from most part keeping everything in front of you. Um, I thought Richardson just did a decent, you know, kind of check down a uh, couple couple of nights of work. Do you think he's more comfortable in 11 on 11? Because it feels like that to me. I feel like he just plays – when he plays normal football, he looks – so different to yeah. me. I know people got on Holder the other night, like, oh my gosh, your tweet, whatever. But he did not look good in 7-on-7, seven seven, and then 11-on-11 11 11 happens, it's like, oh, like, real football, he looks pretty good. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I always go back to draft night, James, when, you know, Chris Bauer and Shane Steichen walked in the room to chat with us after the pick. And if you go back and probably look at the transcript from that, they very rarely mentioned, like, what happened at the Combine. The word they used most often that night was poise. And I feel like when he gets in those 11-on-11 settings, you know, I've said this to Jimmy before, what is so impressive to me about Patrick Mahomes, the arm speaks for itself, but those eyes, they never drop. Like, whenever there's pressure in front of Patrick Mahomes, the eyes stay downfield. He continues to make that play. I think so many guys, particularly rookies, they kind of freeze up in those moments. Or, you know, he relies on his legs just to take off. And, again, I don't think Anthony does that. So um, it it is an interesting point that you bring up, James, because it does seem like – that's why I don't like to mention 7-on-7 a whole lot when I'm talking about practice because, again, it's not real, real football. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, again, I think the next part of that is just taking off the red jersey. And that's why I would like to see him play tomorrow. I mean, I I know – 
we didn't get clarification on that, but I, I, I don't think this is normal NFL precedent. Normal NFL precedent says if you just have joint practices and the other team is not playing their starters, you don't play your starters. I don't think the Colts can fall into that boat. I think they've got to make decisions for themselves, and I would like to see Richardson out there for a couple series. There's been a couple stories on The Athletic the last couple of weeks looking for different angles to write about on, on training camp. And one of the, the key storylines I've seen from a lot of the contenders, one from Kansas City, of course, yeah, I know, shocking that I would go that way, but is the physical demands of training camp and how they vary from coach to coach. Kind of a two-part question. You might not be able to answer the first one. Have you asked at all with Grand Park activities now being a bow put on there last night. Have you asked all the players of if there's any difference to the intensity of what training camp was like under past regimes for those that are still there? I guess the easiest comparison would be Reich to Steichen. And if not, have you noticed a difference now that camp is behind you on uh, the level of, of demand that was asked of the players by comparison to the last two coaches? Yeah, that's a good question. That's probably something I should ask a few more players on. I would say my own two eyes observation would be a little shorter practices, but I'd say like intensity level is a little bit more there. Um, I would say the thing that I've noticed with Steichen, and honestly, we saw this Saturday in Buffalo, they use a lot of tempo. Like Richardson and even Gardner Minshew both, there was a lot of tempo out of huddles in between plays. And it was surprising to me that they showed that as much as they did Saturday in Buffalo. I thought that'd be one of those wrinkles they'd want to save yeah. for the season. So, uh, again, practice times, I mean, there were several practices that were just a couple hours long, uh, you know, a little over an hour. So I think the practice times are shorter. And I think so much of this, Jimmy, has been taken out of the coach's hands and put into the medical staff's hands of, okay, where all these devices, heart rate, whatever, all these mechanisms that can gauge you know, player activity and where they're at and when they start to drop off and make sure if you're only out there for 70 minutes or so, you're getting a good, effective 70 minutes in there. And to me, it kind of makes sense because when you think about it, you're out there for 70 minutes in a first half and then you go to halftime and you take a break and you come back out there and do the same thing. So um, I would say a little bit shorter practices, maybe a little bit quicker pace. Those would be my observations. Physically, though, it's the same song and dance that we've seen for the last few years in the NFL. Guys, I mean, you're not full on tackling. You're not doing any of that. And the Bears, it was the same thing with them last night. So along the lines of the injury front, we know that Jannard Avery, Ashton Doolin going to be out for the season. That Those are blows to the depth, obviously. And then we look at some of these guys, all pros, JT, Shaq Leonard. Do you worry at all about Shaq missing his first practice? And then to piggyback off that, JT, yeah. you know, fifth straight practice, he just wasn't there. So I guess where you are on those two fronts. Yeah, I guess I'll start with Taylor James. I mean, I, I didn't think he'd practice this week. I don't think he'll practice next week. So now that puts you two weeks out from the regular season opener. Mm-hmm. Two weeks out for a dude that hasn't been on the field in nine months is majorly concerning, let alone a guy. And James, you were in many of those media scrums last year. Jonathan Taylor, I think there were times where he pulled the reins back on himself late in weeks last season. Mm-hmm. And now you throw the contract situation on top of that. I wouldn't have said this obviously a month ago, but now I'm like, does he open the season on the pup list? Does he stay on the pup list? He's on it now. If he stays on it, he missed the first four games. That to me is like a real question. And again, I, it's shocking to say that in, in, in a way, but two weeks of practice time, like that is not a lot. And I get he plays a position that you rotate a lot at. But I, I just can't say with confidence that he's going to be out there week one. Um, on, on Leonard's front, I think I've reached a point with him. It's, it's gone from the quantity of the reps to the quality of the reps. Yep. The quantity has been damn impressive. I mean, it was, even if with him missing last night, uh, extremely impressive what he was able to do through those first 12 practices. But now it's 
you make $20 million a year. Are you the $20 million a year linebacker? And I know that might sound harsh, but that's the reality of where you're at. And I know you've brought this point up before, James. Leonard's contract, there's an out after this contract, after this season, where the Colts can get rid of him in a much more of a not a huge financial hit towards the Colts. And, again, that's just something you have to live in reality with. So it's a credit to Leonard that he's changed the conversation from – will he play to how will he play so early in the month of August but that's where I'm kind of at with him now and again I don't think I've seen all pro yet which again that's probably unfair to expect that but I think that is now something to watch obviously we don't watch camp practices anymore but I think that's something to keep an eye on the rest of this month and then when the season starts Walk the listeners through Kevin Bowen with us. Of course, the fan's very own. You can follow him on Twitter at KBowen1070. Of course, our Colts insider on 107.5thefan.com. I guess I can say it now. Formerly of Kevin and Query. And Ooh. then the debut of the Wake Up Call Man. with KB and Andy getting going on Monday. We'll get into that. I want to save time at the end of the interview to you know, get more thoughts from you on the debut of that new show and the end of an era with you and Jake. But when you are sitting here looking at the Jonathan Taylor situation – and that has come into my mind, the pup list, and if he's going to be on that to start the year. For the listeners that, that are following this, maybe more on a, there's so much news going on with JT, how do I digest it all? How much of the decision of if he starts the season on the pup or not is Jonathan Taylor? And how much of it is Colts team doctors saying, no, he's he's clear, he he can be out there. There's no reason for him to be on the pup anymore. Yeah, because it, it's a gray area of gamesmanship so that area. could start to arrive with how this contract dispute has played out. Yeah, J- Jimmy, it's a great question. It's, it's a sad question that, yeah. that it's worthy it of is. being asked, and it shows you how fractured this relationship is that that, that question deserves to be asked. For one, um, let's start with the third quarter tomorrow night. When Jim Irsay gets in that booth with Greg Rakestraw and Rick Venturi, that's when we could get our next Taylor update. So I think we all kind of alert to that. We'll see what the update looks like. But that is a question that I have for Shane Steichen, and James is probably laughing inside knowing how many Jonathan Taylor questions I've tried to throw at Shane Steichen here the last few weeks. But he wasn't made available last night, and the previous day it was kind of cut, cut a little short. But that to me is the next question of has he been medically cleared? Because has he been medically cleared and is he going to practice, I think are two different questions. Yeah. The medically clear part is by the team. Is he going to practice is the mutual parties both deciding if he's going to practice. And again, that is, I think, an unfortunate element to where we're at right now with this. It's not a slam dunk that when he will be cleared, he will practice. And he's always struck me as an individual that is just hypersensitive to his body. And I know probably all these guys are to a degree, of right. course, but when you compare him, I think to other guys in that locker room, to me, he's one of the more, um, again, super plugged in, however you want to describe the attention to detail he puts into his body. So um, that is a question, both of those questions. Has he been medically cleared? Is he going to practice? Those are two different parties probably making the final answer there, but I do think that is very relevant. I'll try to have you back tomorrow night, KB, with the the JT question. Because jokes aside, and I do feel like Shane Stike has been in an awkward spot being the one sort of lead guy that has to answer for this every day. However, you get paid a lot of money to answer these questions. It is what it is. So you have to answer it at some point. And with each day that passes, I just feel like 
the rubber's going to meet the road at some point, and if your best player isn't around for whatever reason, you have to address it more than, oh, whenever he's available. That's why when we were talking last week about, you know, he said he's going to be back, I was like, okay, that's not a story. And then he wasn't right, back. Right. You know what I mean? So we, yeah. we just story is come off the pup list. Taylor talks. Exactly. say adds more info. Ballard adds more info. However you want to describe it. But, you know, I know it doesn't make for great radio, but I've been trying to, like, map out a calendar for our listeners here over the last couple weeks. Again, he did not practice this week. Next week, I do not expect him to go to Philadelphia and, yeah. and practice. They only have one practice next week. Right. Tuesday's it. Right. They get on a plane Monday. They play a preseason game on Thursday. They have the joint practice Tuesday. It makes no sense to throw him into the first practice when it's uncontrolled <laughs> against another team. Yeah. So, again. And that team. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, now you're looking at a week from tomorrow. I mean, you're looking at Saturday, whatever that is, the 25th, 26th, where he could possibly make his first practice. Mm-hmm. And that is two weeks out from the season opener. And for a guy, any guy. I'm not just saying Taylor, but I think Taylor's more than, than, than another guy. For any guy that's missed 10 months of action and he's dealt with a, clearly a nagging injury, um, I would say two weeks to make up for 10 months, that's not a slam dunk of him playing week one. No, and if that were to happen, then we know that all of this isn't really related to the ankle. I mean, if that, was, that, that were to happen, if he were to come back like – Hadn't practiced two weeks and you're good. I mean, uh, what do we make of that? So I'm not going to you know, speculate about it, but I do think that's the elephant in the room. But to focus on players who are on the field, KB, what do you think of the way Josh Downs has carried himself, what he yeah. brings to this offense? And I think you were there. He's like, I don't like to be covered. And I'm like, well, yeah, we can tell because you're always getting open. <laughs> so what do you think of just his, uh, his flavor he brings to this offense? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Notre Dame football fan, so I watched a little bit of Josh Downs' ACC North Carolina matchups. And, I mean, he was dynamic in college, and I think he's lived up to that here in the NFL. I think what you like about the pairing with him, probably two things. One, he compliments the room. You know, I remember always saying this around draft time. I think wideout's a need, but I don't think it's the power forward wideout. I think it's the point guard wideout. They've got the power forwards. Pittman and Pierce are those guys. The point guard is downs. The shifty, in and out of your break, third and four, I make one cut, and now I've created a little bit of separation, and boom, the window's there. The other thing that I think is advantageous about downs, his strength, James, is where Anthony Richardson is not strong. It's in that shorter to inter- intermediate throws. Now, downs is not a big target in those areas. Areas, but he creates a big window because he gets open so often. Right. So that should be enticing to Richardson, and obviously we know their relationship clearly is is seems to be pretty strong considering their their camp roommates and all of those uh, those things. So um, I've been impressed by him. I still think Isaiah McKenzie will have more of kind of that gadget role and will still play some slot snaps. Mm-hmm. But Downs is a guy that I think has been his skill set has been such a thorn in the side of the Colts over the years. They haven't really had that. So I think it's also kind of eye opening to Colts fans to kind of see that and be like, man, this offense has been missing that for quite some time. The fan zone, Kevin Bowen with us here at the back nine golf and entertainment center as the fan on the back nine continues throughout the afternoon. KB, you had mentioned in your piece and you've done a great job throughout training camp on 107.5thefan.com with your notebooks. You had mentioned what the Bears are planning on doing with Justin Fields this weekend and already having been announced that he is not going to be the starter. You had mentioned, again, this wasn't like a statement that you were saying, this is what's going to happen, but you were speculating, well, you know, what Shane Steichen going to wind up doing with his rookie quarterback? I know that you feel the same way as James and I do, but as long as he's able to be there and it's still with some of the ones on the other side of the field, I would like to see him for 
I don't know, a quarter? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. At least yeah. to, to keep that trend going. I don't know about the third preseason game, but at least the second one, as long as there's ones on the other side of the field, I want to see AR. You know, I, again, I, maybe there's unwritten preseason rules where you don't play the starters, but you were a 4 win football team with a new head coach and a 13, you know, starter guy at, at quarterback. Fields has every right to sit out. Yeah, I, I just don't think you're in a similar boat to other teams yeah. with, with how your operation has gone. Fields is in the same offense. Like, and, you know, you can make the argument, whatever, Fields, it was a little dink and dunk. But last night he was, you know, eight for eight in a red zone period. You know, Anthony Richardson is not doing that. So um, that's why I think you should play. And there are just little, like, elements to playing the game that are different than – you know, what he did in college. You know, I made the analogy earlier today. We all watch college football. Well, watching college football and watching offenses right now in college football, you look over at a board on the sideline, you see SpongeBob, Beyonce, (laughs) you know, Biden and a bag of Doritos, and you're supposed to, like, decipher that. And, you know, the next one's like, okay, you're Taylor Swift and Trump and, you know, whatever. Like, like that's how – offenses are run now and that's how the quarterback and the and the other 10 guys on the field that's how they learn what the play is right. well that's not the NFL I think everybody's seen the clip now or at least it's starting to go viral Tua uh, at one of his press conferences with the Dolphins the other day he read out loud what a play call was for the for him and the Dolphins and he tried to have the media repeat the play call after he said it. And, and you know, it's very difficult to, to do that. That's real life. They and highlighted like, that quarterback a ton, too, in the Netflix stock. Yeah, they yeah, would have uh-huh. them go through that in a whole section. You ask me. I'm built different. <laughs> <laughs> right. and, and so I feel like, again, it's opportunities like that that, to me, are so beneficial right now. It's not just the fact that you're playing quarterback and you don't have the red jersey on, but it's him in a huddle. It's him having to call the plays. It's a big play happening. And then him, let's say he has a 35-yard run. He's out of breath. He's got come back to the huddle and he's got to call the play again you know it's just those things I think he needs to get used to and again you just shed that red jersey he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be a lot different like just personality when the red jersey's off Mm -hmm. but we watched him scramble last night and James I thought last night might have been one of his more active running nights it's hard to totally judge what those runs are. Like, would somebody have tackled him? Would he have been as willing to run, yeah. or is he running because he doesn't have the or he does have the red jersey on? So, um, I think around a quarter. I think the same thing should be there on on Thursday night. Uh, but it, it's it's just weird that the Colts have been so quiet and Shane Steichen was so noncommittal on it when you know he was clearly willing to announce he's the starter. You know, a month before the season starts. Well, KB, you're a baseball guy, so that in mind. What tips do you have for Anthony Richardson to learn how to slide? Because I have not seen – no, he's not going to slide in practice or anything right. like that. But I don't know if sliding has been put into his mind enough. I'm just curious to know. I'll ask him next time we talk to him. Like, do you know how to slide properly, and how much are they teaching you that? Because one of the things about him and being a great athlete is you have to still know when to – Fold them. Sure. Into, uh-huh. you know, when to not take that hit. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Any t- third and three taking a hit versus first and ten taking a hit. First quarter versus fourth quarter, you know, those are all different scenarios. Um, you, to your point, I have not seen him slide. I don't, you know, didn't see much at Florida either. And I know you weren't on the beat at the time, but that was a huge issue with Andrew Luck. Um, it's that he wouldn't slide, and when he did, it looked like the most awkward thing you could imagine. I mean, I remember at one point, I think the Colts, like, official Twitter account, like, tweeted at the Indianapolis Indians, like, hey, could you help our guy out here in, in, in sliding? And I'm thinking, I think they're kind of serious with, with that statement. And that was something I was talking about early, earlier today, and I know we're up against it a little bit, but two things I think we're going to have a ton of gray area with Richardson this year. One is him running 
And, and that can be gray area for any running quarterback. I know Buffalo Bills fans feel it with Josh Allen all the time. There are plays where Buffalo fans look at it and say, Josh Allen running the football is our best play. But again, it's that balance of risking injury, all of those things. So that is obvious gray area. The other gray area, and we saw it last night on a pass attempt to Alec Pierce. James, I think we're going to have issues where the old saying of if you get your hands on it, you got to catch it. I don't think that applies to Anthony Richardson throwing balls because he throws it so darn fast. <laughs> and there are times where it's like Alec Pierce last night at 6'4", if he's 5'10", he might not even get his hands on that ball. And so, like, just because he gets his hands on it doesn't mean he, you know, he, yeah. he should catch that. And that, I think, is going to be an issue for Richardson and just throttling that velocity down when it's needed. And then just us saying, should he have caught that? Are you counting that a drop? Right. Is it, you know, that, I think, is just another little gray area with this game. Multi-layered question on my end, at least my last question. Then, James, if he has one more, then we'll, we'll get you out of here. But I had a little prelude to this before you came over, and then my second question of the day was, it's the end of an era of Kevin and Query, and now we're transitioning over on Monday to the wake-up call with KB and Andy. Your, me- your memories, emotions of it all, I know it's a quick two years, but like just what that chapter of your radio career overall was like, what you're most looking forward to with the wake-up call, working with Andy, and obviously Mark coming back along for the ride. And then the most important one that I know you asked Derek Schultz, and this is for both of us, since we're in the company side of things, uh-huh. uh, yeah. advice working with Jake. Well, <laughs> the advice working with Jake is I would say, let's go to the bar and let's, and let's, let's stay there for about six hours so I can, I can empty it all. Um, I guess I'll start with Andy. Uh, I've heard great things uh, from people in Louisville about him. Uh, his energy is through the roof. I think he's super knowledgeable, so I'm really looking forward to, to involving that um, with us. And I think from a station standpoint, you know, moving Jake and getting that brain to sleep in a little bit more in the morning uh, probably probably makes some, <laughs> makes some sense as well, and I'm happy for both of you to get the chance to, to work with him. Uh, I'm going to miss him a lot. I think he's a very different style than I am, and I think he's really helped me, not only as a radio host, but as someone that, like, I've always been very prideful of growing up in this market, and I've always felt like I have immense amount of respect for living here and everything that comes with it. Jake takes it to, takes it to another level, and it's kind of helped me open my eyes to that. Um, and I've always said this about Jake, and hopefully he's out there trying to attempt to play golf and not listen to this, but he's got an unbelievable brain, but he's got even a bigger heart. And, and that is something that I think is genuine and real, and I love that about him. And I think we're very fortunate to have that on our station. And, yeah. and frankly, to have his presence in this market, uh, boy, that is a wild brain. And, and corralling that for three hours and trying to keep that on the tracks. My dad teaches driver's ed. I felt like I was a driver's ed teacher <laughs> at times with him. But um, I know, I think it's, again, it makes a lot of sense. I'm excited for, for Monday, but I will miss Jake because because, again, he is one of a kind, and um, I do feel like we had a nice uh, nice balance going. Pop quiz still staying, surely, right? Pop quiz is staying. Okay, good, good, I believe good. so, yeah. Scotty Johnston keeping that for us. <laughs> That's good. That's so good. my last one, since we have all these new things going on, have you got your blazer picked out for your first pregame at Lucas Oil Stadium with Wish TV. Well, that's funny you say that. I'm actually I'm off to a little bit of a Wish TV photo shoot after this. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. I, I don't have an. I don't have a Zach Kiefer type wardrobe, and that's who I am taking over for, <laughs> if you will. And so I said to my wife last night, like, Maddie, does this, does this look good? Um, so yeah, I, I might need to invest in a little bit there. But uh, seeing how you took a picture of me when I was wearing a Joel Erickson 
Uh, what would you call that? A brewer's like beater that Cut I was off, wearing? Yeah, there? I thought so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll probably look a little different when the first wish <laughs> hits. So nothing tomorrow night, thankfully. But when, when the when the season gets around on September 10th, we'll uh, we'll have some pregame. We'll have some on Monday evening as well. Can we get a side by side? I, I love the bowling cover photo on Twitter. But can we get a side by side of your longtime WTHR or, or whichever that network hit was that was your profile pic for so long? <laughs> that was with your first hit. Can, can we get that side by side? on the cover photo? I might have to have Colleen Bowen, and my, my mother, whip, whip that up because that was a cousin's wedding picture. That was the old picture that wow. I had. 20-year-old me. And I'm such a visual guy. I don't know if you guys are this way on Twitter. I didn't want to change it because oh, yeah. I'm such like a visual recognition person. I don't know if you, you guys are it. this way about it, but like when you change your Twitter profile, I just keep scrolling. If, and it shows you I'm addicted to Twitter. If <laughs> if I'm not like checking that and I'm like, oh, yeah, who is, who is this person there? So, yeah, for Jimmy Cook, I will get a side-by-side of that because the hairs have fallen out and they've gotten a little grayer over the years. I, I, I wasn't trying to take you down that no, path. No, 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 I'm just saying. And, and, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, some of it is working with Jake for the last 21 months, and some of it is being the father to two kids under three. Well, congratulations again on everything, KB. We're looking forward to the wake-up call with KB and Andy. I'm glad Mark is long for the ride as well. Yeah. Love seeing your continued growth here at the fan, and, and I'm looking forward to this next chapter, my friend. Thanks, boys. I always enjoy these Friday chats. Can't wait to keep them going into football season. Yeah, looking forward to that as well. He's Kevin Bowen again, the host of the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. New morning show here on the fan, and of course, you can find all of his work on 107.5thefan.com. He is the Colts insider for us here on the fan. And yeah, I mean, look, it's always good to have those side-by-side age photos. I know we're up against it. We need to take a break. But uh, it's good to show and remember where you've come from to know where you've been, you know? Absolutely. I talk about it all the time. My Twitter bio says Romeoville Rays, Region May. Mm-hmm. So i got to remember where you come from, what spots believed in you, and obviously continue the journey. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have more on the Colts as well as a pay raise within the Big Ten, how it impacts IU athletics. That's next on the Fan Midday Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Lots to get into in this, the middle hour of the Fan Midday Show. Jimmy Cook, James Boyd, Eddie Garrison back with us in the DriveHubor.com studios. We are here at the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center as the fan takes on the Back Nine with the fan on the Back Nine golf outing. Plenty of delicious food, tournament-style games. KB is here, Jake's here, JMV is here. As we mentioned, it's all benefiting a great cause, the American Heart Association, in conjunction with Franciscan Health Heart Center. Plenty of great auction items as well if you're here on the third floor of the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center. We mentioned it. There is a Moondrops Distillery package. There is Pacers VIP package, Colts VIP package, IMS VIP package, VIP galore. As James jokes, though, great VIP experience that we're getting here at the Back Nine Golf and Entertainment Center. Uh, I'll keep this one at a palatable level for you because I know I know it's tough for you to have to uh, uh, acknowledge or fully tip the cap when it's uh, Indiana Hoosiers news as an Illinois alum. But all joking aside, Mike Woodson, a little bit of a pay raise, is the IU men's basketball head coach. He'll get $1 million annual raise 
after he led the Hoosiers to back-to-back tournament appearances in his first two years on the job. I, I get it if you're a, a, a hardcore, diehard IU fan that perhaps you might look at this and say, well, I, I don't see a new banner hanging up in Assembly Hall. <laughs> Why are we giving out pay raises right now? <laughs> but when you look at where the program was yes. during the Archie Miller era yes. and what Mike Woodson has had to do to kind of restabilize the foundation and build things back up for IU athletics and IU basketball as a whole, I have been very happy with what I've seen so far from Mike Woodson. I have no problem if there's a little bit of extra money in the budget. If you want to sprinkle some his way, that's totally fine as long as the recruits keep coming in and you continue to see year after year improvement. This is a big year, year three of the Mike Woodson era. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to take credit for his raise as an Illinois grad <laughs> because <laughs> he got that raise because that clean, Illinois, the clean sweep. <laughs> no, that and Illinois went not double Trace Jackson Davis. So you know, he looks like the greatest coach ever because the other coach wouldn't make any adjustments at all. But I mean, I, I joke about IU, but I do think that he's good for that program, good for Indiana in general. And it seems like he truly enjoys it. You know, there are some coaches who get involved at the college level and it's like, okay, is he just using this to like step back up to the pro level or use this to get to a bigger program or go somewhere else? He seems to really entrench, obviously, having the history there, having played there. But I mean, I think that where IU was, to your point, and where they are now is sort of night and day compared to that era of, of IU basketball, which we'll forget. And then also, when you look at the pro game, having two guys go pro, get drafted, get looks, I think that helps your program because, I mean, if you're a young guy, if you're a high-level recruit, you want to be at the table to say, hey, this guy got, you know, these guys to the league. He got Jalen Hudson-Fino to the league as, as a lottery pick in the yep. first round. So, again, I think that's all trending in the right direction for IU. And if you can reward him with a little bit extra money and, uh, you know, kick us Illinois fans while we're down, I'll take that. Look, it was nowhere near the dark days of where IU basketball was post-Calvin Sampson and what Tom Crean had to do to be able to, again, revitalize the program and bring it back from the ashes. But there were times during the Archie Miller era where it was just... It, it was tough to really look forward to the IU season and think how oh, things are going to get better, like maybe in the in the honeymoon phase, but it quickly became apparent that this was not going to be the guy for the job. And it, again, just from my standpoint as an alum and being a strong-time fan of IU basketball, I like the idea of them returning to the roots of somebody that understands the program, that understands what IU basketball is all about. And, it, and th- those are words on a press conference statement when you welcome in the coach. It's another thing to start to get results and it's not the level of championship pedigree of yesteryear but it is at least a light at the end of the tunnel of okay I see what's being developed I see what they're building but again year three expectations continue to rise you you had a clean sweep of Purdue last year that's something that again IU fans love to see you love to have clean sweeps of your rivals you have to see dominance in the Big Ten you would like to see a resurgence back towards claiming a Big Ten regular season title finally capturing or adding two with a Big Ten tournament title and then see a deeper run into March. Those are all reasonable expectations along with the idea of hanging another banner in Assembly Hall, but the first idea of that is having the right guy and trusting him enough to build what he's done. I'm not going to lower the bar and say that, okay, it's okay. This is the standard now for IU basketball, but I will say there's a level of continuity there that makes me think, you know what? Give him a million dollars a year. Give him a raise. Yeah. It's fine. I just don't think when you're IU, you can ever really lower your standards no. to what no, absolutely can't. they've been. I mean, I joke about it all. You won those banners way back when, but they're still there. Yes. So that's what you're trying to, you know, you're reaching for. So I think with him, again, he's a guy who really loves that program, very invested in that program. And 
I think they're going to take a, stay, a step back this season because of the loss of talent, sure. not necessarily from like the philosophy standpoint. They were very active in the transfer portal, so yes. there's hope that maybe the step back won't be exactly. as big as one would think off the exactly. board. But yes, going in when you're evaluating stuff preseason, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and I didn't mean that as like a shot. I mean, no, no, just, like just reasonable to think when so you, when you lose two players to the NBA. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, when you lose a <laughs> national player of the year contender and, yeah. a, and a lottery pick, yeah. obviously that's going to you know move you back a little bit. But I think that what he has there, the foundation he's laid there, is really good for what's going forward. And, you know, I think when you get older, too, you get, get to, like you said, get some of those guys in the transfer portal, get older. The older teams usually win when it comes to March. So I'm excited to see them. And it feels like, you know, as much as we talk about basketball, I mean, football season coming up, basketball is right there, too. And I think I'm in heaven when, like, both overlap. And so <laughs> my TV's just going all times of the day. You got to have either uh, the multi-screen <laughs> aspect or you got your YouTube TV member. So you got to have that multi-screen there. Starting to roll out. I have to have that a part is, of your day. It is rough sometimes when you're like trying to focus <laughs> on doing your job for the Colts, but there's like a game on or something yep. that you really want to see. So I have fallen victim to maybe not always being as timely as I need to be, but turning in my stories. I'm never like late on turning in stuff, but yeah, I got to lock in this year to make sure I get my work done <laughs> while I got the other games going on in the background. Mike Woodson's new salary again, $4.2 million per year. That announced Friday by IU. It'll make him one of the top three highest paid men's basketball coach in the Big Ten. Tom Izzo, of course, leads the conference $6.2 million per season off that five-year contract he reached back in 2022. Coach Woodson well secured with the Hoosiers through 2026-2027 campaign after, again, as we mentioned, 44-26 and 26 the past two seasons under Coach Woodson and reaching the second round last year before that loss to Miami. Another not angle with college basketball except for the, pardon the pun, blocking ability of a team on defense. Well, it's tough when you take that away from a defense. It'd be insane, right, to think that you'd make blocking shots illegal? Well, how about this? We'll vent for a second because I know it's your favorite pastime <laughs> on social media. James finally saw where I was driving this train to. Uh, a number of reports saying that among the ongoing changes with Twitter or X or whatever it's called, it is going to be the block button is gone. You're not going to be able to block people. <laughs> I'll say this, I, I will never block, you know, my buddy here. But I will say, when it comes to Twitter and all those types of things, um, I find it hilarious that you won't be able to block people anymore. But to me, that means that I have to pick and choose my spots. You can't engage with everything. But now, instead of graciously blocking you, I have to it's a part of me, the pettiness in me, that will choose a few just to air out. Like, you know what? I can't block you, but I'm going to show the timeline how ridiculous you're being, and maybe you'll just be shamed into leaving me alone. We'll see. This might be bad radio because I'm whispering, and I, I worry <laughs> if it's good enough for the levels back at the station for Eddie, so I'll talk a little bit louder. I think you can still mute them, though, James, so it's not the same as the emphatic block, right. but that mute button, I mean, it, it, it's still a powerful tool you can use. I'll take it, for sure. I mean, honestly, it, it really <laughs> on a serious level, it just comes to people that say ridiculous things. Like, I didn't grow up in a household where I got cussed out or anything like that. So when I hear those types of things, I'm like, ah, mute, block, usually block. But um, whatever happens, I'll promise I'll continue to bring you actual Colts coverage and my thoughts on Game of Thrones and other things like that. Is this going to impact at all your evaluation process when you're printing out stories for Anthony Richardson and assuming he does get action on Saturday? Tomorrow, in fact, the lone home game of the Colts preseason schedule. And of course, you can catch that right here on the fan all the way from 4 o'clock with the countdown to kickoff and rolling right along until the game coverage at 7. Any 
hesitation now, knowing that tool might be out of your arsenal if somebody's, uh, you know, just getting on you about the lack of Anthony Richardson footage that you're putting out or the lack of uh, faith you're putting in the team? Is that block button going to be just a, a tool that you wish you had back in your utility belt? Nah, nah. I usually don't block people when they ask for those types of content, but I just try to explain to them. And I feel like I explain the same thing over and over again. So in a sense, jokes aside, I'm actually relieved because, like I said last week when we saw the preseason opener, we can all sort of dissect the games now. Of course, I'll see some things in practice and have interviews off to the side and whatever else. No more cries from Minshew tape. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> but again, even with, with Anthony, it's like tape or didn't happen, tape or didn't yeah, happen. So yeah. we'll see all the tape that we want pretty soon here in about three weeks. It was very informative, as is tradition whenever he comes on our conversation with Kevin Bowen. But look, this is no longer a audition period where you're worried about the hook being pulled out from under you or the rug being pulled out right. from under you where you're going to lose the position. That's not to say that if Anthony Richardson really looks lost, not Saturday, but by the time we get into weeks four, five, six, that maybe the Colts aren't reevaluating if this is best for him right now. It doesn't mean his career is over by any means, but Shade Steichen was very matter-of-fact that he's our 2023 starter. Things can change. That's life in the NFL. You know that as a beat reporter as well as anybody that things can change often pretty quickly, but this is just such a tremendous opportunity where if you're in the camp like I am, that it's a repetition thing he needs to become a fine-tuned, high-level quarterback in this league, or he's just not going to translate to that. The solution to that problem is give him reps. And while the timing thing, I know we talked about this when we had you on the show earlier this week, but the timing thing, yeah, it bothered me because he didn't he didn't do enough in the Buffalo game for it to think that's why they named him the starter. I know that wasn't why they right. named him the starter, but from a timing standpoint, it's like, well, that's the last memory you have right. in your brain is what he did out against Buffalo. All that said, he is the starter now. The kid gloves are to an extent off, and it's a time to not be afraid to make mistakes. Go out there, be yourself. Don't be pressing throughout a ball game, but take advantage of opportunity in front of you. And if you make mistakes, that's what a film session is for. Learn and grow from them and try not to make the same mistake twice. Exactly. I think that he's embraced that Mm -hmm. for sure. And I I will say again, the way he's responded after these interceptions or miscues has been really good. And so I think that his maturity level has helped him a ton because he hasn't been very, you know, gung-ho when he succeeds or very down when he doesn't. And I think that helps a lot because that's life as an NFL quarterback. They're all going to face adversity. You're all going to go through things that you don't like or you don't do well. So I'm excited for him. I think that, you know, it's also a surreal moment for him, so to speak, because his first home game is coming up tomorrow night in that stadium. Now, there's obviously the, the real first game, which is the home opener. But I think that he's found a good balance between staying focused, doing the job, but also soaking in the journey and, and what it means to be here. So I'm excited for him, and I think that he's uh, someone who's, again, easy to root for. There's going to be some growing pains there, but you didn't draft him because you knew he was going to be a finished product right away. You drafted him because of the big playability, the wow factor, which, I mean, even you saw with Andrew Luck and you saw Peyton Manning, even if you don't have your best stuff you know, on a given Sunday, those guys still had enough in them sometimes just to get you over the hump because they were that good. And that's what you hope for with Anthony Richardson. We talk a lot about opportunities there in front of players across sports, but in particular with this Colts team, we know the opportunity that's in front of Anthony Richardson. James mentioned a position player earlier in the show that also has big opportunities in front of him and appears to be already developing himself as not just a fan favorite, but a favorite of AR. We'll discuss that player and the evaluation 
that should continue over the final two preseason games and that last joint practice against the Eagles when we come back on the Fan Midday Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Fan Midday Show, Jimmy Cook, James Boyd, Eddie Garrison with us as well in the DriveHuber.com studios. Continues you, to spin it like a wizard. We miss you, Eddie. Have a rejoiner. We do miss you, Eddie. How are you doing, man? How, how's the Friday treat you? It's doing well. I'm excited for the high school game tonight. Doing well back yes, here. It's, uh, I, I was out there earlier before I headed over to the studio. Got to meet, uh, as people know, in the YouTube chat by her name is Gritty. So that was nice to be able to interact with some of our uh, <laughs> listeners on a daily notice. Yeah, that's half the bonus of being able to be out here and start to put uh, faces to names yep. and, and interact with some of the YouTube chat in person. Of course, appreciate all the YouTube chat members being out there today as well. Eddie, I want to give you a quick opportunity. It's not uh, your debut debut because you, you were a part of the fan broadcast last year, but it is your opener for high school football broadcasts taking place tonight. Give us the lowdown. Give us that uh, elevator pitch for uh, why fans should tune in other than, of course, supporting the fan and supporting you. Well, it's going to be a semi-state rematch of a year ago between Fort Wayne Carroll and Hamilton Southeastern. A lot of pretty big storylines in this one. Uh, Hamilton Southeastern uh, featuring a new quarterback. Uh, Carroll of Fort Wayne has a very talented quarterback. He's already got eight Division One offers as he enters his junior campaign. HSE has 11 players out of the 22 starters that'll be uh, probably playing at the Division One or not the Division Two level in the coming years. So it's a lot of talent for both of these teams. It's a rematch, like I said, between last year's 6A uh, semi-state championship game. So it'll be a lot of fun. That is a 7 o'clock start time right here on the fan with pregame show. And then go, kick, kick at 7.30. There you go. But your yep. coverage will start at 7, correct? Indeed, yeah. Sure all right. It'll be so myself sure and Jim Leisure, and uh, we'll have both head coaches on. We'll have Doug Dinan of Fort Wayne Carroll and uh, Michael Kelly of HSE. That'll be can't-miss action. Looking forward to that here on the fan. And, of course, we'll revisit Eddie a little bit later in the show as we get rolling with our bets. But quickly, before we close out the hour, I want to talk more on this at 2.30 because I feel like it's an important aspect that you brought up earlier. It's tough for a rookie wide receiver to be able to make a meaningful impact. Yeah. But so far, it started with, uh, oh, they're working together outside of Colts activities after the draft. And, oh, they're, they're getting chemistry together. This could be a very big piece to this puzzle in terms of easing along the development for whatever happens with Josh Downs. Yeah, I think the after draft story was like a feel good story yeah you know they're working out in the parking lot you know very movie-esque and I was thinking to myself cool <laughs> but it doesn't matter unless you do something on the gridiron so you're starting to see more of that and I think that that's important that he's continued to um, embrace the ability to build chemistry with Anthony Richardson and I think we're seeing that in real time and like I said when you have that shifty water bug type of player and, and as uh, one of the Colts area scouts called Josh Downs a hiccup that type of player he, he helps you a lot so I think that he's shown a lot he's very confident never ever going to not be confident and I think that with the way Anthony Richardson is, is wired 
if he can get that safety valve in there along with, obviously, the cannon throws, the off-platform stuff, that'll make him more deadly because you know you can't just give him the easy stuff. He'll knock that stuff out and make it, you know, life easier for himself. But also, he'll make you pay if you, you know, get a little too relaxed because he is still an alien. We have examined a ton how joint practices have gone the last couple of days with them concluding yesterday. But that was all through the Colts lens. We'll shift over, change slides, go through a Bears lens and a Bears perspective is one of the best. Courtney Cronin going to join a Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN and, of course, an ESPN radio host as well as a member of ESPN 1000. Get all things Bears from their side of things, how she felt about Anthony Richardson, what she's looking forward to as well in tomorrow's preseason home opener and the only home matchup for the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium of preseason format. When we return, Courtney Cronin of ESPN next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Still here at the back nine for the fan golf outing, raising money for the Heart Association, which is always good because I have a big heart. You got a big heart. Mm -hmm. Got to keep them healthy. And now we'll move on to, I guess, uh, (laughs) football topics where maybe they're not always worried about each other's feelings and hearts because it was contentious yesterday throughout practice. A little chippy. um, We'll get the Bears' perspective on that from none other than Courtney Cronin, IU alum, Bears reporter for ESPN. Courtney, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. I mean, I'm doing better than some of the guys yesterday who got in little scrums and had too much testosterone going. But as far as the football goes, I'll start with Justin Fields because I've likened him and his skill set and maybe his, his path to Anthony Richardson. What do you think of the way he's commanded this, you know, this Bears offense throughout those two days of joint practice and then going into, I believe, year three? Yeah, I think that it's been up and down at points, and that's expected, but he is in the second year of this offense with the same play caller and has some upgrades around him on the offensive line and at wide receiver. So the growth you're seeing from him and what you saw in these two joint practices are a lot of what we've seen the last couple weeks in training camp and going back to the spring during OTAs and minicamp. But I... I take there's some there's some good to take away there's some not so good to take away and we know that he's not going to be playing in the preseason game tomorrow night against Indy but I don't think that that precludes him from being active the rest of the preseason in their finale against Buffalo he's got a ways to go and there's signs that show you he's trending in that direction but he still needs these reps and what Matt Eberflus told us yesterday is that the work that he felt the first team units were able to get in were enough to tell you, all right, put them on ice for this weekend. Let's get the backups, try to figure out the back, the back half of this roster, what that's going to look like as far as depth. And that's, a, that's a, it's an approach that a lot of teams take, but I don't think that it means Fields doesn't have still a ways to go in this preseason so they're comfortable with him in week one. Yeah, I was going to piggyback off of that. How much do you think he's – taken a step forward since you know his entrance into the NFL and then how much do you think adding skill players like DJ Moore around him will help some of that development that he's on because he has the dual third capability you know obviously the high expectations in Chicago but I, I don't know if he was behind the eight ball because last year he just didn't have talent around him I felt like 
Yeah, I mean, there's it's a noticeable jump from where he was at this time last year, where their receiving core around him was, you know, slim to none, and you and you were just trying to find guys to fill roles if you're Luke Getzey. What Justin's accomplished in the last 12 months is is showing you he's going in the right direction, but I think the jury's still going to be out to see can you put it all together because they made the right investments this offseason. They followed the model that Philly did with Jalen Hurts last year by going out and getting him A.J. Brown, giving him a true number one threat in his third season. And the parallels between those two, I think they're more parallels than they are apples to apples about, hey, he's going to make the same MVP-level chump that Jalen Hurts did in year three. I think some of that's overblown and people, you know, from a national perspective, look at that and say, wow, it would be great if Justin Fields can be the next guy in line to do that. It would look different, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility because they have been focusing on different areas of his game that they want to tap into this year. It starts with the quick passing game, which we saw last week against Tennessee. They've been really adamant. I mean, you saw it in the in two of the joint practices where they've been working on screens and getting the ball out quicker, but that also will give him an opportunity to get the ball downfield to playmakers like DJ Moore and Cole Komet over the middle. Like there's there's a lot to like about what they're doing. I think that though if you are someone looking at this to see how does it actually come together in games, you won't know yet because the game speed, the stuff that they were able to generate in those practices and I think that they really benefited from, you know, having being able to do certain things in in, um, in the two joint practices that aren't on tape. Remember, when, when these joint practices happen, like the 25-minute period that we had during Move the Ball yesterday, tape of that does not go out to other teams. It's not like preseason games where the All-22 is available and teams can see how you're utilizing personnel and guys down the roster. That's really good for both the Colts and for the Bears to try to tap into things. And what they're trying to do with Justin Field is put him in those situations so they can gauge where he is and what they need to work on. ESPN Radio and ESPN Chicago's Courtney Cronin. Nice enough to take some time with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Whether the comparisons are fair or not, they're inevitably and already have been going to be drawn between Justin Fields, where he's at entering year three, and Anthony Richardson's track for what he's going to be in the National Football League. It feels like from afar, Courtney, that this is, at least in the Bears' eyes, kind of a make-or-break year for Fields. And we always talk about, well, what is fair? What is enough time to know if a rookie quarterback and an and, and experienced quarterback after the rookie season can make it in the NFL. In your mind, maybe not the Bears front office mind, but in your mind, is three years enough time in today's NFL? Most times not. And I think that, but like the front offices are put in situations where they have to have an idea. They can't wait much longer than that because with first round talent, there's a fifth year option you have to consider by May of 2024 for Justin Fields. And they're sitting on that extra first round pick that they got from Carolina in the trade for the number one overall pick. So if they don't feel confident about a guy that they didn't draft, that they have gone all in on and have shown him a big vote of confidence, then then they would have no choice but to like look beyond next, you know, look beyond what they have right now and think about potentially somebody else at that position. Now, I think they've put him in a good situation where he's going to have enough tools around him to show you that he's grown as a passer, that he can be a franchise quarterback. I don't think you need to know dead set he is the franchise guy. He's going to be playing here for 10 more years like a Patrick Mahomes after year three, but you have to show signs that you're on that trajectory. 
if that makes sense. But I will say the one thing that I think the Colts are doing right with Anthony Richardson is something the Bears have gotten wrong the last two times they've had, you know, first-round talent at quarterback. With Mitchell Trubisky in 2017, Mike Glennon was there. Like, he didn't, like Trubisky wasn't getting first-team reps in camp. It was up until week five that he was the backup quarterback and not playing. And then with Fields, there was that – nonsensical quarterback competition with Nick Foles and Andy Dalton and Justin didn't get any first team reps during training camp. I think the way that the Colts are handling this with Anthony Richardson, you know, it's going to be an up and down year. He's going to have the rookie, the rookie learning curve that he's going to have to master, but you're now able to tailor this to him to show him that this is his offense that he can be okay to mess up in from time to time that he can grow through but he has the vote of confidence and the backing from the front office that drafted him that they're on this journey with him and they want to see him they want to see it through and make it as seamless as possible taking like the political element of that away and that's something that bears haven't done so you know for for a front office in indy that has struggled with the quarterback position the last five years i think it's the right approach the way that they're handling anthony richardson Courtney, I'm curious, staying in that same lane as far as Justin Fields, Anthony Richardson, how have you seen Justin Fields handle the spotlight aspect of it? Now, obviously, he played at Ohio State, was under scrutiny for a very long time before that, but when you get to the NFL level, how do you think he's handled the ups and downs that come with you inevitably being, you know, asked over and over again, you know, about a play or a throw or a game-winning, you know, play or, or a game-losing play? How has he kind of embraced all of that? I mean, you're in a place in Chicago where they haven't had a franchise quarterback that they could hang their hat on since Sid Luckman like a very long time ago before like this version of the NFL existed. So I think that's a massive responsibility that not everybody can handle. And Justin, having been such a high profile recruit, he's had cameras around him. Remember like that? QB1 series that he did when he was in high school, like he's been in this limelight for a while. So he knows what comes with that. And the way that I think he's handled the questions of, is he the guy? Will the team move on from him this offseason? And and knowing that you're never going to win everyone over entirely, but to be like, uh, there's a lot expected from somebody like him when you are in that position. And if it doesn't go well, the questions are fair because you know, this is a franchise that is starved for finding a quarterback. They haven't had a 4,000-yard passer, and they're the only team in the NFL to have that blemish. They've been around for 103 years. I think that Justin Fields knows everything that comes into this job and what's resting on his shoulders this year to get it right. And I don't know if everybody could handle that, but he seems like he is built in a way where he's able to stay pretty level with it and and not get frustrated with bad games, bad outcomes of plays. I mean, you've seen it in camp. Everything hasn't been perfect. There have been times, even the last couple of days in Indy, where his protection wasn't great, somebody ran a wrong route, yet they kept it moving. Not everybody is built to handle it that way. And that's why I think it's like, you know, you look at these NFL quarterbacks, they truly are the one percenters in the way that they handle expectations and just like a mountain of things that a normal person would not be able to. And and that's why you're able to compete at such a high level, despite, you know, every day probably feeling like a battle to maintain your position and, you know, to fight through a lot of the things that have gone wrong for this team in the past. 
Courtney, from the national side of things, you know as well as anybody the deterioration of value, particularly at the negotiating table for running backs in this league over the last four or five years. What do you make from your standpoint, both as a Bears beat reporter, but also with your national role with ESPN, of how things have played out this summer with Jonathan Taylor? I'm not surprised um, because this is this is a day and age where you have a devaluation of the position. It's not, you know, it's, I don't think this is going to change by the time the next CBA comes around. So guys like Bijan Robinson, who, you know, are the next in line to be the next Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, very talented offensive weapon that just happens to have running back attached to his name. I don't know if he's going to benefit from that. It's going to take owners and the NFLP, the Players Association coming to the table and what you've heard from Jim Mersey is that they owners don't want to do that. They feel like what they put through in 2020 with the CBA is what should stand and I don't I'm I'm surprised by how much he said the quiet part out loud, but I'm also not because Jim Mersey is not a shrinking flower. Like he's going to say what he wants. He's the owner of this team, but you know, had they offered Jonathan Taylor a, a deal this spring, even if it wasn't the record-setting money that, you know, he clearly has his eyes set on, I wouldn't be surprised if he would have taken it. I just think that there's since there's no offer on the table and everything is looking towards this being a franchise tag season for him next year, I can't fault him for playing it out this way and demanding the trade. I just don't know how they're going to... You know, it doesn't feel like either side is close at all. And very clearly, since he hasn't been at practice, you know, that absence is something that grows, you know, more noticeable day by day. And, you know, I I, I don't know what the solution is unless, honestly, it would have to be all running backs banding together to say, hey, week 13 of the season or some week where there's like playoff positioning on the line that they would all sit out. Like, that's so unrealistic to think that that's going to happen. But these Zoom meetings, these, these, you know, powwows that they're having where they're talking about, well, what can we do? You know, the language is right there in the CBA. Unless you can somehow change what the value of a franchise tag is for a running back or change when running backs are eligible for their second contract, this is the situation that you're going to be in, and it's not going to get any better. So, Courtney, another thing I wanted to allude to, I guess, is, is that defense. I know you probably watched a lot of uh, Justin Fields. What do you think of you know, that Colts defense and, and maybe some of the things that they were able to uh, – do as far as you know I think Nick Cross had a, a tip for an interception yesterday to EJ Speed how do you think they you know because I guess here in Indianapolis a lot of the concern is are, are they going to be okay on the back end but what was your impression of that defense and just some of the things that they were able to do yeah I mean it, the noticeable thing is that you know Shaq Leonard wasn't playing yesterday and of course DeForest Buckner's out and I know that they've been hit with a couple of different injuries and that's that's tough because you can't really gauge the strength of how good your defense is, but they were still able to get pressure on field. So I think some of that is, you know, what do we, what do, what is a syndicated sack more or less versus the pressure that you see from, you know, defenses in, in training camp. They were able to get the better end of some of these matchups, especially during the team period, the last two days. And I, and I think that's a good sign, but I don't, I don't know how much you can take away when this group is not completely at full strength. And frankly, I honestly thought that it was the Bears secondary that was setting the tone for these training camp practices that, you know, everybody was having to rise to that level because they've been very adamant. They want to have that swagger. They want to trash talk. They want to be in your face about it. 
And that's, I felt like that really did set the tone for the entire two days of joint practices where, you know, defenses can, can kind of play off each other with that and, and having that sort of mentality when they're out there. But, you know, there's, there's some good plays, and I think that there were some moments that, you know, frustrated Justin Fields and frustrated the pass protection, too, because they were down so many starters, which uh, played out the last two days. Courtney, one of the guys that the Bears added, obviously, was Unique Ngakwe. He was here last year in Indy. What do you make of just that addition and maybe what he can bring to that defense? We know here that he's a sack guy, but there's a reason he wasn't brought back here. So why do the Bears think that, you know, it might work out better over there? I mean, their pass rush is terrible, and I think that you have to be able to pressure the quarterback to be good in the NFL, and they didn't do that last year. They in Atlanta were terrible at it, and that's why they were bottom in the league, and that's why Atlanta this offseason went out and made the additions that they made, and the Bears waited until two weeks ago to sign Unique Ngakwe, and I think it was a smart signing because it's a one-year deal. Most of it's guaranteed. So for Ngakwe now at 29 years old, I know he's his fifth team since 2020. That whole mentality of it's a prove-it deal, it's not a prove-it deal, doesn't matter at this point because I think when you are so concentrated as a pass rush specialist, like that's the that's what you get known for. And I know that he's had you know some missed tackles here and there, and playing the run, frankly, isn't a strength of his. But he can add a lot to this unit because their pass rush was but not good last year. And to know what the personnel was before he got here and now the Bears feeling more confident that they have a, a fortified um, a fortified group of edge rushers because he's going to be in there and he's going to be wreaking havoc, there's a reason that he's been considered one of the best pass rushers in the NFL the last couple years. And if it works out for him where he's able to be part of this team, and, you know, build with them instead of just being here as a one-year rental, more or less, then I, then I think it could work out for him having a place to finally call home after, you know, Minnesota, Baltimore, Vegas, and Indy, and now Chicago. She's Courtney Cronin of ESPN and, of course, Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN. You can hear him as well on ESPN Radio and here on ESPN 1000. Courtney, I know we'll probably talk to you a handful of times throughout the course of the regular season, but but not as emphatic as we would if we were in the Chicago market. So as you look at everything we've talked about, what's in front of the Bears, where is the floor and the ceiling for this group in 2023 with Matt Eberflus? I think the floor has to be about, it's kind of around the same area. So I think the floor for this team, seven wins. The ceiling's probably, you know, maybe 10. And that's a really high ceiling. Like, I, I think they're a seven-win team. And that's not a bad place to be going from three and 14 to seven and 10 because you're building methodically towards a division title. Right now, the NFC North is as wide open as it's been in 30 years because of what's gone on in Green Bay, where Minnesota is. It's kind of the tail end trying to run this thing through one more time before they likely have to start over at the quarterback spot. And, you know, Detroit will be interesting to see what they do. But I think the Bears are not trying to rush into, hey, there's a window right now. We've got to force it through and make signings that you know, are are more boom than bust or making decisions with the roster that would lead you to believe they're going all in for a year where nothing feels guaranteed. I think a 7-8 win season, those are realistic expectations for this team. If they win the division, I mean, I'm happy to eat my words at that point. I don't see it happening, though, right now. They're building towards it, and they've been very honest about their plan to build towards 
sustained success in the league, which is something that you just you frankly don't get all that often. The flexibility and the long leash that Ryan Poles and his staff have in the front office to execute this rebuild the way that they see fit, which is to do it differently than the last staff, because if the last staff had done it right, they'd still be employed, and they're not. So I think that that plays into what they want to do. But, you know, the seven, the floor ceiling is maybe separated by, like, three wins. I know some, some analytics will tell you differently, but I do think seven wins should be right around the sweet spot for this team this year. Well, Courtney, I'll have you know my entire family just yelled when you said seven wins because they're going to the Super Bowl after that <laughs> preseason <laughs> opener that they saw. But um, thank you for coming on, and thank you also for your tweet about roundabouts, which is so true when it comes to Carmel <laughs> Westfield. Um, you know, I- I'm sure you won't miss those in Chicago, but good luck the rest of this season. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks, Courtney. All right, that was Courtney Cronin of ESPN, covers the Bears for them. I'm not here for roundabout slander. <laughs> it is, look, it, it was, I've gone from both the south side of Indy to the north side of Indy, and I remember school days sitting in a long four-way stop, traffic backed all the way up to St. Jude, and the fact that the south side is adopted as well, the roundabouts that you see on the north side of town, uh, it, I, I love them. What's Absolutely wrong love them. with a light? That's my only thing. What's oh, wrong traffic light, well, you know. That's a, that's a question above my pay grade. I can't tell you. Um, I would say apples and oranges would be my pushback, but I have no idea, frankly. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break here, but when we come back, we'll have former Colts wide receiver Bill Brooks here. He's always around, good enough to come around here to the back nine to talk, you know, shop with us. So we'll talk to you all soon on the other side. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Still here at the back nine in Indy for the fan golf outing, raising money for the American Heart Association. Our guest here knows a little bit about football, just a little bit. <laughs> Bill Brooks, former Colts wide receiver. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good to be here with you guys. Thanks for coming by. Oh, no yeah, problem. Man. So I'll start at the top. Obviously, all the talk about this team is the quarterback, Anthony Richardson. You've been around the game a long time. What is it like to see him operate in person and then also have that heartwarming personality to go along with it? It's unusual to see that for a guy like as young as Anthony is, as far as a guy that's so poised, uh, so laid back. But he's confident, but not, he's not cocky. You know, he knows that he doesn't know everything and he wants to learn. He wants to be coached hard. And he has, the, physically, he has unbelievable talent. And to see that is usually un, is, is, is unusual for a quarterback, especially a guy that young. So the way he's handled it thus far, coming in and being poised and being under control and not getting rattled when things don't go well on the football field for him uh, is unique to see for a guy that young in the National Football League. And then from your perspective, how have you seen the quarterback position shift over the years? Because, I mean... <laughs> When you were playing, it was, it was, you know, pocket presence, precision, where now pretty much every quarterback has to be able to run at some, you know, point. And he's obviously going to be one of the, you know, projected to be one of the better runners in the NFL. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit since I played. Um, like you said, before it was the pocket pass to the guy that dropped back and, 
you know, the Tom Brady's look look down the field, throw the ball, and and Roger Starbacks and things of that nature, even before my time. So it's been that way for quite a while. Now with, I think, you're seeing it change because right now the quarterback is usually the best athlete on your team. Now when you have the best athlete on your team that can run and throw as well, um, you can do different things with them. And so it, it opens up the offense a lot more. And then you, you see that with the college game. You saw that in high school where people say, hey, okay, we've got a quarterback that can run. We've got a quarterback that can throw also. So we're going we're gonna to put these guys into an offense that, uh, you know, makes their talent shine even more so that they can run and do the things that they need to do. So it's, it's neat to see that trans, transfer into the National Football League now as far as time has changed. Now you're having a running quarterback that can run and throw and put defenses on the heels a little bit. You know, you have Lamar Jackson and guys like that. So it makes, it, uh, it makes the game interesting, a little different, you're throwing the ball a little bit more. So for receivers, of course, we love that as far as throwing the ball a little bit more. So it's, uh, it's neat to see. Former Colts wide receiver, Colts Ring of Honor member, and of course, part of the Colts radio network, Bill Brooks with us here on the Fan Midday Show. Bill, I'm not trying to have you back in my day us. I realize that's the setup <laughs> to this question, but there's been a couple articles going around through training camp from different spots around the league of the intensity and in different areas, is it more intense or less intense? From your perspective when you played versus what training camp is like today, how, how vastly different are those two animals? It's, it's, it's vastly different. <laughs> and, like, Yo, not, so. Not, not, not so much about as far as intensity and things like that, but I think it's very intense, the practices. Just, you don't have as many of them now. You know, we, 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 uh, when I played, it was you practice two days. And uh, we would go two days on Monday, two days on Tuesday, two days on Wednesday, have that evening off, come back and do two days Thursday, Possibly two days Friday, two days Saturday. Have Saturday evening off and come and uh, and Sunday off, and then come back and do it all over again. Now it's different, but I, I think actually, to be honest with you, I think it's better now as far as how they handling training camp, how they going out to practice. So I think you don't need all. I don't think you really need all that pounding and beating on your body so much in training camp to get regular, get ready for the regular season. I think you could do it the way they're doing it now, and I I, I like the way they're doing it now, and I think it's better for the. The game itself, I think it's definitely better for the players. Yeah, I don't know if you had the, like, mushroom tops, as I call them. <laughs> <laughs> nah, the we guardian didn't have, helmet. We didn't, we didn't have mushroom tops. <laughs> Some people call them the gazoo helmets and stuff like that. So, no, no we didn't have those things. One of the players who obviously everyone is high on is Josh Downs, wide receiver. What type of feel do you think he adds to this wide receiver room just being a shifty and um, I call it like an emergency break where he's able to hit the emergency <laughs> break, you know, whenever he wants to to get open. Yeah, I, I think having that slot receiver that has quickness, has speed, that can get open, that understands how to run routes in the slot, which is not easy to do, he has all those qualities um, in him. And he, he shows a lot of confidence <laughs> out there, and he should be because he's a, he's a good ball player. Um, I look for him to do a lot of good things. I mean, when he's that quick and you have an understanding of where the weak spots are in the defense as far as depending on they're playing zone or man, and he could find those weak spots, and you can get him the ball early in space with his quickness and speed, he could be very, 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 very powerful in that sense as far as helping your offense out to make those explosive plays. So I look for him to do a lot of good things, as well as Isaiah McKenzie. I think another yes. guy in the slot that I think if you watch practice this past week, you saw him catch a ball and make some moves and, and break a, a long one. So those are the things you're looking for. You have a young quarterback. Let the quarterback get the ball out of his hands quick, get it to the playmakers, 
to Josh Downs, the McKenzie's, guys like that. Get the ball in their hands and let them run and go with it, and then they can make big plays. And those could be your explosive plays. You make a six-yard pass, and it's a 40-yard gain. So that's a 40-yard pass for, for, <laughs> right. for the quarterback. So that's a big play. Speaking of impact players on offense, for Michael Pittman Jr., he's not going to make excuses for himself, but I've been willing to give him the benefit of he's having to work with a revolving door of quarterbacks the last couple of years and no more crazy than what he went through last year. It is a contract year for him, though. How important is the opportunity in front of Pitt this season? Well, I, I think he has opportunity for him for him to show what he can do as he has in the past years. I mean, he's been there for them. He's been very consistent for the team, catching the ball, making big plays, being the physical presence out there as far as from a wide receiver standpoint to be physical with the defensive backs, catch those tough balls over the middle, around 10 yards, 5 yards, and he's there and make those big first downs. So I expect him to pretty much do the same thing this year, make the big plays when needed, especially on third down to keep the chains moving. So I expect a lot from Pitt. And he, he's pretty much he's a, he's a senior statesman for the wide receiver room right now. He's only you know, going into his fourth thought. year. It's really a crazy thought, yeah. What has it been like to see Reggie Wayne take on the coaching role and embrace it even more, I think, going into year two? Because he said he had unfinished, unfinished business. Now, this is a guy who doesn't have to do this. I think that he could do anything at this point. He'd still be loved in Indiana because of what he did for the franchise, you know, winning a championship and potential Hall of Fame career. But what has it been like from your perspective to see a guy who loves it so much as a player now love it? It looks like just as much as a coach. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a lot of players don't want to go in coaching because it's coaching is a lot of hours. I mean, long, long hours. But Reggie is that individual that he loves the game of football. He loves teaching the game of football, teaching to younger guys as far as that's concerned. And I think Reggie is enjoying what he's doing as far as going out there coaching and helping the guys reach the next level, helping them reach the potential that they can reach. You know, he made this statement about Josh Downs, what he thought about Josh Downs is months and months ago and, and after the combine. And, you know, it's coming true that Josh Downs is, is a pretty good player, you know. So Reggie has an eye for talent. And Reggie has, I think, that knack to teach these guys how to be good. And I, I know he can do that because I'm watching the drills that they're working on, the drills to help these guys get better, work with their footwork as far as positioning themselves to run routes, come out of the breaks on top of the route, create separation, get off the line of scrimmage. All the things you have to work on as a wide receiver, he's teaching these guys those things, and it looks like these guys are improving. So I think Reggie enjoys that. He enjoys the being in the room, being around the young guys, I'm sure, and, you know, it uh, helps keep us, us old guys young. But Reggie's not old. I'm not saying that. Don't, please don't tell Reggie that. Reggie's not old. We won't yeah, cut that, don't no, worry. Yeah, he, he's, he's a young guy, but uh, I think Reggie's really having a good time coaching these guys. Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks and a proud member of the Colts Radio Network with us here on The Fan. I know you heard some of our conversation with Courtney Cronin a little bit ago, and we asked her about with Justin Fields entering now a third year of opportunity in Chicago and, and how tough it is to fairly evaluate quarterbacks in a league that is not usually a wait-and-see league. Patience is not usually the verbiage that you hear from ownership and from front office members alike. I'm not asking you to map out what Anthony Richardson is going to be, but when you look at today's NFL and the level of patience that Jim Mercer may be willing to, to give, what is a fair evaluation period for a rookie quarterback? Is three years enough? Wow, that's, that's a tough question. I, I, really, I really couldn't answer that. I think it, it depends on the situation, each team's different. Sure, yes. Depends on the situation. What do you have around the quarterback? Uh, how's the offensive line? What is your defense like? I think all those things come into play as far as you saying, 
what's what's the runway as far as how long you're going to give the guy to develop or not. And so uh, it all depends on the team, I think. Every, every team is going to be different. Chicago is different than yeah. Indy, so it's going to be different at Houston as well. Um, with Stroud and those guys, yeah. so it's, it's gonna it's it's gonna be different. It's gonna be different with Bryce Young and Carolina. So it's gonna be different for all the guys. I think depending on uh, the players you have around them. So I like Anthony Richardson. I like the upside. Yeah. I like the potential. I think from a physical standpoint, he's off the charts. Yeah. He's, it's just it's just amazes me when watching practice. And James, you've been up to practice uh, every day, watching him just flick the ball. It's just amazing, yeah. and I say flick because it seems like a flick out of his yeah. out, out of his hand, and how tight the spiral is. That's what I'm looking at. I was yeah. looking at how tight the spiral, which makes it easier for the receiver to catch the ball. When you have a tight, tight spiral like that, and you can concentrate on the point of the ball, um, he's. He's special. Well, James and I talk about it all the time that you're right. Every situation is going to be different. But at a minimum for him, he shouldn't be fearful of a hook appearing from behind no. him. He, he, he needs to not be afraid to make mistakes and use this to truly grow, which is what the Colts want out of it at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely want him to grow. And I, I, you know, I hate to say that, you know, by him making mistakes, he's going to learn faster. Yes. You know, instead of sitting on, the, sitting on the bench, watching someone else make a mistake and learn from that. The best way I learned, to be honest with you, I remember one time running a route, and it was um, it was zone, and I thought I was man, and I ran through the zone, and I got smacked in the face. So pretty much I go down. I said, okay, next time, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to read it and make a proper read so I won't get smacked in the face. You know what? I had to learn the hard way. But sometimes those are things that make you learn. You learn a little bit faster. I think by him getting out there, getting the reps, getting the experience, the more reps he gets, the better off he will be. And in the long term, I think it's going to be better off for the coach. I mean, you literally learn the hard way. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, those DBs, are, DBs and linebackers were, weren't, weren't uh, saying, oh, you know what, you made a mistake. We'll let you go by. No, they, they were making me pay for it. I was say, the rules were a little bit different back then, too. You get a little more protection now. Yes. Um, when you look at the way Shane Steichen has commanded this team and, and, and given them a different feel, how much do you think he's been just helped, I guess, or, or helped develop a guy like Anthony Richardson? How vital do you think it is to have a coach who has done it before and yes. has had that, that experience of bringing a quarterback along, along and helping him reach you know, his potential? I think it's important for having a guy like Shane Steichen as your head coach and has worked with other young quarterbacks before and brought them along with Jalen Hurts, Herbert at, at San Diego. So he can do that. He knows he knows what they're they're seeing. He knows what they're thinking. He knows what maybe possibly things that are going on in the back of the head that, you know, can I do this or should I do this or whatever. So I think he's making it easier for Anthony as far as to, to make that adjustment and for him to to read quarterbacks. You, you know, if he's gone through it with Jalen Hurts, he's gone through it with Herbert, so I'm sure he says, you know what, these guys are looking at things this way. This is what I need to do to tailor the offense or tailor this play or tailor the language of our, mm -hmm. our call for the play to this, to this young man. So I think it's beneficial for Anthony to have a guy like Shane that has done it before with other quarterbacks, and they've had success. So uh, I'm expecting the same thing out of Anthony Richards and uh, for the offense to have success uh, with the Colts. We know the time at Grand Park is completed this year, but there's still dates on the calendar, including two more preseason games and the joint practices with Philadelphia. If you were to have conversations or when you have conversations with members of this Colts team, well, what's one thing that you would like to see from them? Again, I know it's a very small sample size, but just to be on a, a confident path or a continued confident path between now and week one. Well, I'd like to see them, first of all, you know, like any 
team, you want to cut down your mental mistakes. You know, the mental mistakes are, are something that you know, is going to hurt you. And, you know, it's going to hurt Anthony Richardson as far as his growth. You know, when you have mental mistakes, you know, you're first and 10, then all of a sudden you make a big play. Oh, no, you had a, a penalty. Then now you're first and 20 or first and 15, whatever it may be. That makes it a little bit different for the young guy. So you want to cut down the mental mistakes. So give this guy an opportunity to actually learn and grow from those things. And I, I want to see him, as, as far as a young quarterback, to progress as far as to learn things, to get the experience experience, and see, this, and see things, how they're happening out there now. He's going to see some different things. You know, his young quarterback and this, these defensive coordinators get very creative. So they're going to do some things to try to confuse him. So he's going to learn. He's going to make mistakes. It's going to be like a roller coaster ride. It's going to be up. It's going to be down. But I think overall, overall, you'll see him progress each and every week, and he'll learn. I think he'll, of course, he'll get better from that. When you look at what Gardner Minshew has meant to his development, the way he's handled it, what is your assessment of him as a man? Because I know it's a lot of players who say those things, but he seems to genuinely mean, I want this guy to succeed. I'm not going to bring him down. I'm not going to pout. And yeah, you know, you teach your kid that, but you don't know if you're ever <laughs> going to be that or really embody that when you get to that age. Because he, he wants to play. Everyone wants to play the game they love. Yeah, Garner, I think Garner's been a, a, a true pro. Um, look, they came in competing. Gardner knew eventually over a long term of time that eventually Anthony was going to be the guy right. as far as quarterback. But Gardner came in to compete. Now, that's good for Gardner to compete because he wants to try to win, but it also makes the guys around him better. You know what? When Gardner's going out there trying to compete, it makes Anthony better because, you know what? Anthony's not having to coast, so to speak, as far as to get to you know, become number one. He has to compete and do the job and do it well and, and work hard, and he has done that. So I think Gardner's helped Anthony in that sense in competing. It's also helping him as far as, hey, look, you know what? Anthony, when you see this look, think about this. This is what they're going to do on this play because Gardner's been in this offense for a few years, so he understands the plays that are being called. He understands where their weaknesses are as far as, I should say, where the weaknesses are as far as running a play where he might be in trouble, meaning the, the quarterback. And he can tell Anthony, hey, look, look at this when this happens. So look at this. So he can be a, a good sounding board for Anthony uh, going forward, and he has been thus far this, this offseason and this training camp. Well, Bill, thanks so much for the time. Obviously, I'm rooting for you going into the season as well. Of course. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. Enjoy well, yourself rooting, on the radio. Rooting for you, you guys as well. <laughs> Thank and, you, how many shoes do you have now, man? I told you, I got about <laughs> 35 in a closet, man. I, you know, I, I say I'm going to you know, dwindle them down, give them away. I haven't done it yet, but this there's man, always one that has one of mine. This man ha has more shoes <laughs> than I've seen. Every time I see him out of practice, a different shoe that he has on, a different sneaker, I should say, he has on. I admire that you're breaking them out, though. You're not just letting yeah, them collect no, dust. You're, you're trying to have them. one for every you yep, know, uh, yep. touchdown that, that Bill called in his career. So <laughs> he had about 50 touchdowns in his career, so maybe I'll get in that range. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> Man, that's awesome. But thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for it. making right, some time for us, one. Bill. Enjoy the season. All right. That was Bill Brooks of, you know, the Colts radio analyst. Also, Riga Bonner-Minner, also just a good dude overall. So thanks for having me in the moment. I think he made some good points when it comes to Josh Downs' development and the Richardson development and just the future of this Colts franchise. Yeah, it's a, it's a great time to be a Colts fan in terms of where the franchise is at right now, wanting to see what this next chapter is going to look like. And as Bill mentioned, he, he doesn't need to be afraid to make mistakes. One of the best teachers is that extra sessions of film that you're going to have and being able to fully see what he looks like at full speed against the NFL. We still have 
two weeks to really get that full taste when the season opener arrives. But for now, you take each step as you can, and then you, you learn and you hopefully grow. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing. I feel like growth, reps, and, you know, experience are probably the three things that we've talked about so much with Anthony Richardson because he can't get enough of any of them. And I think, you know, when it comes to his development, he has a good head on his shoulders. Like Bill alluded to, he's not – coming in thinking he knows it all he doesn't know everything and he says that all the time and, and, but he, someone asked him hey you know wh- wh- how do you know you're ready he was like who said I'm ready you know I'm just going to go out there and do yeah. my best and I'm like alright this is someone who's not putting you know uh, the buggy before the horse so I'm excited for him and, and just personally even from a writer perspective you want to write about the number four picks. I'll be doing that, you know, this weekend, hopefully, and then obviously for years to come. And you brought this up, too, just there about Anthony Richardson, but also about Gardner Minshew, which is that in terms of their mentality for both of them, they both handled this as as high class as you could hope for as an organization. The maturity of Richardson understanding the situation and Minshew also understanding that maybe it's not his time, but he's still going to be a valuable teammate. Exactly. You don't see that kind of uh, bond very often in professional sports anywhere. So I think that what Gardner is doing for Anthony is a lesson for really like kids everywhere and like grown men too. You know, uh, be a good person and don't always take it, you know, so personal. We're going to take our final break. We come back. We'll plays of the day hopefully eddie will have some as well it's been a great time here at the fan on the back nine golf outing close things out on the fan midday show we come back you've been asking for the throwbacks you've been getting them the last couple of segments at least the youtube audience has not so much the podcast audience from dj eddie garrison back in the drivehuber.com studios jimmy cook james boyd here for the final time on the fan midday show the family back nine golf outing presented by franciscan health you've had an opportunity to come out to the back nine we're still going strong of course jmb is going to be live here three until six but just a, a beautiful venue a great spot and just the, if you're into landscape shots you can see downtown indianapolis and the salesforce tower straight away to your right side. It's just a beautiful scenic setup here at Back Nine Golf and Entertainment and highly recommend it if you're ever coming around looking for something to do on a weekend or, or get a little early start to your weekend like folks have done here this evening. It's been, been a great time. Yeah, like I said, I came here earlier this week for a Indiana Fever event. <laughs> came back today, so I'm just like a veteran at this point. I know everything about this place. No, I don't. I still don't know how to swing at all, so if anybody listening has any tips for your boy, um, I could use them severely because I am not good. I was Charles Barkley in the ball that's, the other day. That's at Romeoville Kid on Twitter. But, James, I worry you're just going to get flooded now with golf instructional videos <laughs> and just all kinds of stuff that you're going to have to really scroll down for some Colts <laughs> content. But I will say, I saw the video. Look, I feel you. I'm not a great Ooh, golfer. Man. But then I learned that that was your first time playing. So it's like, you know, that's not bad. I mean, for your first time, that, that, that's none too shabby. Where is yeah. this said video rough. at? It was rough. And it definitely was too shabby. It was horrible. It was on but, a It was on a story on either Instagram or uh, it had to be Instagram and I think it was one of those temporary ones Eddie so you might have missed the boat I don't know James is James is probably burning that footage by now I have footage of this Eddie I will share it with you because you know I know you will never ever share with anyone else which you can by the way <laughs> I'll share it with you but actually I'll just post it on Twitter and let everybody laugh at me how about that but it was, it was pretty rough it was pretty rough hey, it's X, like I by said, the way for a bit we'll debate that another time it's oh, still twitter.com see, if, I, if I could block him you can't anymore because <laughs> because that's been taken away we got into that a little bit earlier in the show let's get to some bets before we give final thoughts ahead of Colts preseason game number two the Jay Cook plays of the day this is me alright I'm not a f- athlete this is my f- way this is how I win 
Today's plays of the day looking to respond from a one-and-one one outing yesterday. First, we're going to go with the Boston Red Sox, one of the money line over the New York Yankees. Also going to take the Baltimore Orioles on the money line over the Oakland Athletics. We'll shift now towards action that takes place this weekend. Give me the... Manchester City against Newcastle match. I'm going to take Man City on the money line in that one. The Lino Messi trade continues. I got it at minus 125 earlier in the week. Give me minus 135 as an anytime goal scorer for Inter Miami as they take on Nashville SC in the League's Cup final. And then it's the World Cup final this weekend. I'll take England over Spain to win the Cup outright. Eddie, any action from you either tonight or this weekend? Unfortunately, I've been busy back here in the studio. I haven't had time to look, so I've got nothing. And by the way, I have a question. If Messi does not score, are you going to cry? I'll be a little bummed. I'll be a little bummed, but the solace in that, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit next week as well, is that I will be in Cincinnati as FC Cincinnati take on Inter-Miami next Wednesday evening in what is a U.S. Open Cup semifinal. So if he doesn't score, Eddie, you can you – can, bet a ton that I will bet a ton on him to score in the next match. So even if he doesn't, I'll just try to tell myself that he's saving it for Wednesday. Oh, that'll be nice for you. Earlier in the show, you gave me the opportunity to talk about my game tonight. Uh, let's talk about Ron Colley. Who you got tonight and what do you expect? We got Ron Colley against Southport. It's always good to have a little Southside rivalry action to open up your high school campaign. Like Rake said, with the high school season this year, particularly in 4A, a lot of storylines are going to develop as the season goes on. For Ron Colley, this is a young team that always has championship expectations. I'm looking forward to a fun one tonight, and hopefully they're able to once again make some noise underneath second-year head coach Eric Quintana. And, of course, you can catch that on a secondary device. Don't tune away from the fan, but on a secondary device, RonColleyMediaNetwork.com if you'd like to catch that. Myself and Dan Lapp will have that for you. I want to rant about one thing in the minute or two that we have left. And before I do that, I also want to announce that this is our final fan midday show. This title that we've carried ourselves over the last eight months or so, that is going to shift into Query and Company starting on Monday. Jake Query takes over as our main pilot throughout. I know I'm going to be working with him a ton. You're going to be working with him a ton. So is Eddie. I can't wait for that. But again, I want to thank everybody involved here at The Fan for what these last eight months have been to be able to have the fan midday show and have this rotating action and looking forward to a new era of 12 to 3 with query and company starting on monday but james i know you're not a betting man but and i get it i know it's hard for vegas to do this because you don't know how long starters are going to play but if you're going to tempt me with lines and spreads for preseason games i want to be able to bet player props that's all i'm asking for i want to be able to bet player props i understand it's a risk maybe he's only going to play a quarter whoever the player is but i would like to be able to bet player props i think you have a valiant argument right there (laughs) I think, you know, it's valid. But also, I'll give a quick shout-out to Hammond Morton football. So in the high school football mood, they're facing Portage tonight at home. So shout-out to the region. My Hammond Morton governors, get it done. We all we got. (laughs) (laughs) Last thing, a special thank you to Greg Rakestraw, Kevin Bowen, Courtney Cronin, as well as Bill Brooks. It's been a great show for you here on the Fan of the Back Nine. I want to thank James. I want to thank our entire rotation of guests that we've had over the last eight months. And most importantly, I want to thank our producer back at thedrivehumor.com studios. Eddie Garrison, one of the best in the business. It's been a pleasure to work with you, my friend, and I'm looking forward to working with you as well in this next chapter, along with James and along with Jake Query. Query and Company gets going on Monday, but the action doesn't stop here from the Fan on the Back Nine golf outing. Right with JMV Live is next. Keep it right here.